This episode of the Socks and Sandals podcast is brought to you by Mr. OK's Essentials. Mr. OK's is 100% black owned. Uh, you all have heard, if you haven't heard, the owner, the creator of Mr. OK's Essentials was on the Socks and Sandals podcast episode 101. So check it out. But uh, Mr. OK's provides 100% natural candles, body butter, and soap. Okay? 100% natural ingredients, 100% black owned, and 100% vibes and love poured into every product. All right, now go to the website, www.mrokesessentials.com. In the checkout, enter promo code SOCKS to receive 10% off your next order, okay? Once again, go to the website, get your candles, get your butter, get your soap, get right, and enter promo code SOCKS, S-O-X, and receive 10% off your next order. the bible god breathed inspired by god the infallible word of god men that were writing under the influence of the holy spirit is the bible the word of god uh, i would say that is almost 100 percent false <laughs> that's pretty strong bro you know i know i know the saints would come after me What up, what up? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy, Emmanuel. I'm back. I'm not in the kitchen. I'm here in Kabul. I've been here a lot, you know what I mean? But I got my partner with me, man. He is a theologian. He is a philosopher, a professor, a father, a husband, and an overall dope individual, Quincy Robinson. Say what's up to the people, bro. Hey, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? <laughs> man, thank you for coming out, man. My pleasure. Super you know, excited. For sure, man. I'm glad to have you here. We're about to get into some heavy things, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, once again, I apologize for my tardiness. Not running <laughs> Running late because traffic in Portland, bro. 930. I know. I was looking at the freeway. The freeway was all backed up. Oh, man, yeah. You know, did you did you take the freeway? I went down Columbia, and then I had to get on Vancouver and just go all the way down. Yeah, no, I started on um, this side early because I had a, a meeting early That's this right, morning. Yeah. So I was already on this side. But Word. I know the traffic is horrible, and it's getting worse. It's bad, man. It's getting Just random bad. times of the day. Yeah. And so I was going down <laughs> Vancouver. I was crawling down Vancouver like mm -hmm. it was 8 o'clock in the morning. I had to I take know. side streets. Dropped something off to my wife, and I was just like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> it took me like 35 minutes to get here, bro. But we here. We here, man. So really quickly, before we get into everything, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're going to be talking about religion, Christianity, the Bible, yeah. um, the historicity, and, and all the facts, all the myths, all the fables, everything. Um, but before we get into that, tell people a little bit more about who you are, where you're from. Yeah. And what's a typical day in the life of Quincy Robinson? Yeah, I would love to. So uh, what I, was, I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington. Where? Then I uh, came to Oregon to go to school. I went to Multnomah University, mm -hmm. and I did my bachelor's uh, in theology and another one in Hebrew, and then with a concentration in ancient Greek. Man. And then studied in Jerusalem. Uh, under some rabbis and some various professors, um, then came back to the States and then went to, uh, got involved. I've always been heavy into logic Where? as uh, when I was studying philosophy in my undergrad. So I decided I fell in love with mathematics. So currently pursuing a master's and PhD in, in mathematical uh, sciences. I have a beautiful wife. 
She went to uh, Clark Atlanta University. Okay. Yes, yeah, so she loved that. And uh, is she from Atlanta or is she from the South? She's from Seattle. Oh, yeah, from she Seattle. She spent five, six years in the South. Word. So she misses it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. I went to Texas Southern in Houston. I miss it. I, <laughs> I know. I definitely That's, miss it. Everyone, everyone who's been to the South or spent you know ample time in the South yeah. miss it. Yeah. So I, I feel like I'm missing out. I've been on the West Coast for the most part, and yeah. then uh, we have one-year-old son. And we're, we're loving it. We're loving it. That's dope. Uh, present time, you know, I've just been doing research on uh, various topics. My my current passions in writing is trying to encourage people of color mm-hmm. to get into the sciences. Man. Um, and also, I guess there's two things. To encourage us to get into the sciences. And the second is to try to open our eyes about religion, Man. about the Bible, uh, to help us become you know, healthier. For sure. For sure. And we are going to get into all of that, man. So I'm I'm excited, man. The conversation that we had prior to this, it was just like, it was what I've been searching for for a while. Mm-hmm. And then when I got it, it was just like, wow, like right. there's there's even more that I need, you know. So just picking your brain, man. A lot of a lot of people responded, man. We got about 18 questions that came in wow. over the past 48 hours. Wow. I'm sure I'll get some more texts or, course, you know, yeah. IG notifications. But a lot of people are very curious about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, once again, thank you for your time yeah. and just, like, being willing to give this information. Because a lot of people, not a lot of people, but typically in, in the church and just in that forum, pastors or people that have that privileged information, they don't necessarily want to share it. Exactly. They want to keep it to themselves and exactly. use it for their benefit. So. Right, right. Um, I don't want it to be understated how like amazing this is for you to be able to do this for people and it, you know so man I appreciate it thank you for the opportunity no Seriously. doubt man no doubt so really quickly though I did want you to get more into your time in uh in Jerusalem how long were you there yeah and yeah man what what was that like why did you feel the need to man. go there oh, and that's study a great there question. directly so uh, I wanted to make sure that I covered all my bases right. of uh, when I was studying the Bible to see if it's really God's word. Is mm. it uh, the claims about it true? And of course, I wanted to get deeper into the languages. Okay. And so I thought, why don't I go to the land itself? Go to the source. Yeah, go to the source yeah. and learn from. So I was there for a while and um, studied under some great rabbis and some other uh, professors. And my goal really was to see what does the Bible say? Um, about itself truly yeah and so I studied um, under dr. Clem some some um, various Semitic languages mm. Ugaritic um, Ooh, um, I never heard of that one Ugaritic, yeah, Ugaritic Ooh, yeah. these are you know the old old you know Akkadian um, the old school script for Hebrew Aramaic because um, he was a Semitic language scholar okay and he was actually a former Christian okay he used to he lived in Chicago. Okay. Uh, teaching there, and he was a former Christian. He's a Jewish guy, mm-hmm. and then he left Christianity and became a uh, to become just Jewish, right. re- religious or yeah. affiliation. And so now he lives in Israel and he teaches uh, at the Jerusalem University. Wow! Uh, but uh, it was it was just it was fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I loved it, and and it opened my mind because you. It's a shame how you can stay at institution and uh, keep on to those same pieces of theology all the way to, you know, graduate school if you don't uh, branch out. Yeah. You know, you're just stuck in a bubble and you never know what other people believe. Right. And so you never, and then it becomes um, second nature not to 
uh, vet your own ideas, Whew. not to analyze and see, am I right? Am I wrong? Because you think you're, you live in it and everyone's affirming it. Um, you mm. got a bunch of yes people around you and you never check your own theology. Man. You know? It's second nature to not vet your own ideas, bro. Right. I mean, that that is definitely where a lot of folks are at. Oh, yeah. And uh, I know I was there. I mean, it, yeah, it's second. It's, yeah, it's, it's natural. Right. You know, I mean, and everybody wants to be right. Right. Exactly. And everybody pretty much feels justified in their own. <laughs> right. In their own thoughts. So, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it takes courage. You know, you're kind of out there on the island sometimes. Sometimes you feel alone when you start yeah. questioning everything that you've been taught. And you want to trust the people that are teaching you. You exactly. want to think right, that, right. why would they give me bad information? Right. <laughs> you know, like. Exactly. And almost so for me, there was an emotional roller coaster of first being mad at people mm-hmm. for not giving me the right information. But then I was like, you know what? They probably just thought that they were right. And right. That, and they were being respectful and that whoever taught them was right. And they're indebted to that person who helped change their life. And so they're going to pass on that knowledge they, the same right. way it was passed to them. And so it's not a, it's not, sometimes it's not a malicious, a lot of times it's not malicious. Right. Um, but it's something that we need to do. Now tell me about how you were treated mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. Yeah. Like as, as a black man, mm-hmm. was it, was it a weird cultural experience? Was there any tension? How did that go down? That's a great question. Well, uh, well, you know, what's a shame is that so the university has never well, uh, it's been so long since they had black Americans there. Mm. 10 years when I was there it had been 10 years, <laughs> 10 year drought. Yeah, a 10 year drought. And I don't know the number now. Uh, it's probably now more like 15, 20. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when I was walking around, it was so funny. And I was uh, there during a crazy time. Uh, it was the kind of the um, wars were going on. So uh, um well, not a war per se, but a lot of Palestinian uh, Israeli strife for sure going on, and yeah. so this is during the time where there was a citywide um, alarm that would go off, and we'd have to go into bunkers. Oh my God! Um, rockets or not rockets, um, uh, uh, various bombs. You can see them, the streaks of the bombs flying over the university balcony. Wow! It was it was it was crazy. That's wild. Um, and uh, so the the tension that I, when I was there, I don't think I got the real flavor because I was there during a time where there was a lot of animosity mm-hmm. and strife, yeah. a lot of tension. Yeah. Um, but what I thought was funny, so I I they didn't have, in a lot of ways, um, it's still kind of third world. You okay. Know, there's garbage everywhere. Um, unless you're going to the nice hotels like the Solomon Hotel and all that, then you get the traditional American experience. Mm. Uh, but over there, man, the showers, you're coming from a long day of walking and you're hot mm. <laughs> and exhausted and you look for a nice, you know, decent shower. Sometimes the water is cold. It's unreliable. The Wi-Fi was jankety. Yeah. A lot of these details that we take for granted here, um, uh, we walked everywhere. We yeah. walked everywhere. I My beard grew out and I gained an afro. <laughs> and so uh, that was interesting to have seeing people, you know, when I had my little pic with me, seeing people uh, who've never seen that before mm. want to take pictures. So the regular people would take pictures. Wow. And what's funny is uh, uh, perhaps a few years before I'd gone, people would have thought I was an athlete. But because of Barack Obama, every time I wore my, my suit to various events, they thought I was a politician. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just so interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, being the only black there, everyone else was white or other. Uh, it was it was an interesting dynamic. 
the cultures. It was just so interesting. The culture was different. I loved. We had Shabbat dinner okay. every every evening, Friday evening. Yeah, and that was fun. Feast, huh? A feast. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And yeah. we we uh, you know we chanted the 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 Hebrew songs. Israeli songs. It was it was a great experience though. And for I, those that don't know what Shabbat is, that is mm-hmm. Sabbath. That's correct? right. That's right. right. Exactly sure. right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was it was it was, it was a fun time. That's dope. Mm. That's dope, man. So is it? So the people there. Because I don't. Because they call it the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's always been talk like if you talk to a Hebrew Israelite brother, what, what would right. they they would say like the Edomites or their right, some, right. I don't know the Khazars mm-hmm. I don't know right right so is it the people that live in Israel and Jerusalem are they basically like European looking or yes do they have a distinct like this is what Israelis look you know what that's a great question yeah um, I'm not an expert on the depth of history but I was very surprised to see a lot of the Jews very light-skinned yeah you know very fair-skinned yeah. people and i was like man quite frankly my mind was like you look white right i wouldn't have thought you were a jew honestly mm-hmm. had you not had the thick accent and and uh you know the cultural garb i right. thought you was a regular white guy yeah uh so i did find that interesting mm. um now whether or not they're truly of european descent i don't know right uh but yeah no that's that's definitely a feature that i thought was For interesting sure. and there was a question that someone did submit they said uh they just wanted to know in general like what is the beef between israel and palestine well you know that's a big question a lot of ink has been spilled on that mm-hmm. uh and so i would encourage the person the listener uh to 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 read up on it but what one what the issue seems to be uh without being biased one way or the other is it's over whose land is it yeah it's over whose land is this mm-hmm. And uh, one says it's our land, and the other says the opposite, or the other says the same for their people. And, uh, you know, and again, it, t- it depends on who you talk to, because when, even when I was there, mm-hmm. boy, they, 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 had, they, they did not like each other. Yeah. Um, so you would see them in, like, together, Palestine. Oh, you, I would can go you, to, Can mm-hmm. you visually or visibly tell the difference between a Palestinian and a Jew? Is it very easy? Uh, the, the Palestinians tend to be uh, darker toned in skin. Okay. Okay. But we used to go to Bethlehem. So we used to uh, go to the checkpoint from Israel to uh, the Palestinian part mm-hmm. uh, to do some teaching. Yeah. I was uh, a friend of mine who was teaching there to make us some extra shekel, you know. Mm. Uh, and uh, we would go over there and I just would hear the difference mm-hmm. uh, between their their worldviews. Um and I just and I and I always thought, well, it's so interesting that because um, as an outsider looking in, to me the issue is very simple. Mm-hmm. Let's just look at the historical and legal um, precedent for whose land it is, mm-hmm. uh, and and go from there. But to them, it's it's way more wrapped into their identity. The land is part of their identity, yeah, which is which is definitely consistent with their view of history mm-hmm. and and their literature. Man, that's deep. And they've been fighting for what a little over hundred years, or I just think, about. I think so. Yeah, I I I, I once knew the dates, uh, but the various wars and things. Yeah, probably in the early twentieth century, maybe earlier than, uh, or late nineteenth uh, century. Yeah, because I have a a book. I haven't read it all because it was kind of honestly, it was kind of boring. But mm-hmm. it was called Jerusalem, nineteen thirteen. Mm-hmm, I've heard mm-hmm. of author Amy Doxer Marcus, but yeah. uh, it was talking about you know what what jerusalem was like before 
all the fighting. So there mm-hmm. were there was, you know, Jews, Christians, and Muslims all living together. Yeah. In the city. Mm-hmm. Are there are there various religions still living closely, or is it pretty much all Jew and just only a fraction of Christians or Muslim? Like, what's the makeup faith-wise there? Yeah, so in, in Jerusalem proper, uh, you have the old city, that they call it, and the new city through mm-hmm. what's this place called Yaffa Gate, right off there on Mount Zion there. In the uh, old city, it's broken up into quarters. You have the Armenian quarter, the Muslim, the Jewish, and the Orthodox quarter. Yeah. And they all do live in, in harmony there, for sure. Okay. Even on Shabbat. This is crazy. Mm. Uh, every, the whole city shuts down. Malls close. Mm. No one's driving. Well, if you're a... a mu- well, the Muslims, they don't have Sabbath, do they? No, they don't have to have a Sabbath, but they respect the Sabbath. They respect it. And what's cool is that you can hear, you know, five times a day, you can hear the prayer. Mm. Of the Muslim people, mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it. It's like a gigantic megaphone or something, but you can hear their <laughs> their their prayer. Yeah, um, which I think is cool, and they just live in that 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 harmony and tension. Wow, um, together where you can't find pork, right around. You shouldn't. Um, I mean, both even Christians shouldn't be mm-hmm. pork. You know, so. right, right. Uh, but there's a lot of good lamb and, and things like that. It's it's really cool uh, unity. Mm. That's amazing, man. So you would you say? It's fairly safe living there. Like, there's not a lot of strife. Yeah, I would say it's okay. fairly safe living there, um, depending on where you go, because, you know, there's going to be violence. But, but as far as I understand, yeah, it's, it's fairly safe. That's dope. That's dope, man. So um, we are here, once again, we're here to discuss the Bible, the power people attribute to it, the bold claims written in it the supposed authors, the modern interpretation of it, the truths, the fallacies, the Dead Sea Scrolls, how the interpretations affect us, all of that stuff. So really quick, before we get into the meat of the discussion, uh, what is your religious or faith disposition? Yes. So I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I uphold the uh, old school Christian tradition. So I am Trinitarian and believe in the literal death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and and the virgin birth and the the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but I am not. Um, I'm I'm what you might call a, a liberal Protestant, a mm. neo Protestant. Mm. So I don't subscribe to a lot of the fundamentalist teachings of the Black Church. Most mm. of them I'm at odds with. Okay. Um, in general. Where? All right, man. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the Torah: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, yeah. Numbers, Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. When was it written? Yeah, yeah. And who wrote it? It's a great question. Tradition says it was written by Moses, but that is false. Now, I was talking to my Jewish brother. I was telling mm-hmm. you <clears throat> last night, I asked him that same question. Mm-hmm. He said, because he's an Orthodox Jew, he believes that Moses wrote it. Yeah, yeah. He said, there are some conservative Jews that would say otherwise because they'll go with science or whatever. He said, I'm, right, right. I'm going to rock with Going to rock with Moses. With Moses. Well, and I and I put that out there, and and he was just like, well, I mean, no, nobody has any proof to deny it. I'm like, well, oh. there's good proof. Okay. I, I, let me let me try to see if I can unpack it. For sure. A, a, real briefly here. Sure. So, and again, you know, and you and I agree on this, Emmanuel. We're, we're men of, in, uh, of, of evidence. For sure. Know, logic and evidence, and we follow it wherever it leads, despite it going against our personal notions yeah he said you know what the evidence leads here we should buy it i too wish it was moses 
But here, here's how we know the text is, has not been written by Moses. You look at Deuteronomy chapter 34. How is it talking about Moses' death, uh, but yet he's the author? Mm. What, is he pinning his own death? Mm. Uh, some Christians go as far to say, he's yeah, he's, he's prophesying his own death. <laughs> and I think, well, then let's just, why go that extreme? Um, but then you look at the bits in Genesis, you know, the what they call the anachronistic claims. Those, those are the claims where um, uh, you're looking back. You're putting modern-day touches on past historical events. You got the Canaanites' past tense were in the land, but in the time of Genesis, they weren't. Uh, uh, you know, and so mm. we have all these issues. Also, not to mention what's widely known by scholars. You know, the JEPD theory, um, where mm, you got that? the Break that down. yeah, yeah. So the J theory is the Yahwistic forms. So the theory says that the creation of the whole Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, were put together by various uh, traditions and various people who have changed the traditions. Mm. And so that's why we have certain things that are not in sync. Mm. And, uh, you know, cats like to pick out a verse here or there, but if you read the whole thing, there are areas where it's not perfectly in sync. Mm -hmm. But I think the best evidence that demonstrates it couldn't have been written by Moses is the fact that the majority of scholars think that the text, the whole Pentateuch, wasn't put together as we see it today until 586 um, B.C., post-exilic, post-exile. Wow. Um, and, and So it was like separate stories just kind of floating out there? Well, yeah, because, you know, it wasn't like they were written down. Uh, what happened was they were uh, oral traditions. Okay, yeah. Various oral traditions and various um, uh, concepts. I mean, here's the, here are the sad truths in regarding the whole testament is that we have the this thing called the Leningrad, uh, Lenin, Leningrad or Leningrad Codex, uh, and that there was... Uh, it has the whole Old Testament, but it's the, it's the uh, as far as we know the 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 um, whole Bible, and and one of the oldest, but it's only a thousand and one, yeah, you know, uh, uh, BC ish. Okay. But this the Dead Sea Scrolls that really put us on the map of understanding um, the reliability and maybe the date of a lot of these passages. But as far as I know, I don't know any um, Old Testament scholar. Uh, who at least doesn't acknowledge that Moses did not write the Pentateuch. Mm. Um, so it's essentially unknown. It can't be determined because exactly. it was they were written, it seems like, by different people at different times. Now, are, are there any, like, original manuscripts or were they all, were they found at one point in time all together in one language? I mean, how did, you know Yeah, I mean? that's a great question. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like we do it today. Like if you yeah. wrote a book and then I come back, you know, and I'm going to say I'm your son, your grandson, and we're just kind of changing that book. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't like that at all. In fact, they didn't even have codices, you know, the way that we fold traditional books. Mm -hmm. It's called a codex. That wasn't invented until way later. Yeah. You know, and so there was on scrolls. And so it was impossible to have one big scroll, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you'd have to separate them that would and be whatnot. Pretty heavy, that would be heavy. <laughs> and and remember, too, um, in Joshua, uh, uh, or excuse me, in Judges, I believe in the book of Judges, we find out that uh, someone finds the law because they, they forgot about it. So well, obviously mm. it wasn't in everybody's cupboard at home, you know, on everybody's <laughs> uh, coffee table. Right. And so 
it had been forgotten. And then to judge, we find out that it had been forgotten. And this guy goes in and finds the law. He means the Torah. Wow. And they go back into it uh, and, of course, um, do what they will with it um, to get what it is today. 546 B.C. That 586. 586. 586. That's not that old. I mean, it's not as old as one would think it is because the story mm -hmm. is basically given a history of over the past like five to six thousand years of civilization mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the first written or the earliest written version mm -hmm. is after exile and it may, it may be it could have been too that if one wants to stick to the moses thing that moses himself uh was talking mm -hmm. you know and then that that people would use what he was saying and changed it over time but it's difficult to know which is authentic moses and what what is not Word. How much scripture has been lost in translation over the ages based upon your studies? Like yeah. the Bible that we have today, King James Version, NIV, the Message, American Standard Bible, all that stuff. Like how different are they from, you know, things that you've studied? Yeah. You know, what does the Dead Sea Scrolls reveal? Like, yeah, how does all that Coming to play. Yeah, so uh, the King James Version, to start there, you know, we know this came about 1611. The question is, so the best the best quality of trying to get back to the original autographs, if that's possible, mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's possible, but some scholars do think it's possible, mm -hmm. is to look at, if you have a whole bunch of manuscripts, um, which is one thing, and that's not necessarily good to have a million manuscripts because you could have a million of the same wrong copied mm, manuscripts. Right. So the question is, how many and how close are they to the proposed original date? Yeah. And if they're closer in date, you know, the better it is. You know, maybe it's going to be um, more accurate. And then also, of course, you want to look at things in the text where um, passages which have a more difficult reading, which you know, it's the same thing as saying uh, passages which, um, uh, you know, go against the culture mm -hmm. or uh, vilify the main character or the king may be more accurate. Mm -hmm. And of course, also the um, shorter readings are preferred. Let's say if you have a passage that has one sentence and then the in another manuscript, the same passage has two sentences. We want to go with the shorter one because uh, the redactors, the people who add in or, or change whatever tend to add things to the text to clarify for their audience, mm -hmm. to make clear for their audience. Um, and so now, how do we deal with that when it comes to the Bible translation? Well, you want to look at, uh, I, mean, I don't want to get in too deep into the weeds, uh, but, you know, there's the Byzantine and the Alexandrian kind of text, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, the Dead Sea Scrolls used for the for the Masoretic text of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, I don't think one needs to know all of that. Um, the King James Version is the least reliable because when it first was used, it had only used, I believe, half a dozen manuscripts. You're going to upset a lot of black pastors. I know. Because they <laughs> swear by the King James Version. Uh, they do. They do. It's it. the least oh, reliable? Oh, yeah. It's the least reliable. Now, I don't know about wow. the new King James. Maybe they've added, uh, or maybe <laughs> they looked at some more um, manuscripts to make their translations more accurate. But I, it's, other than that, it's trash. Ooh, thou shalt not speaketh right. on King James, my <laughs> brother. Uh -oh. They think it came straight from Yahweh to, to <laughs> in the King James Version. Uh, but people are just ignorant, especially many of our black pastors. And, we, you know, we love them, but they just need to study. <laughs> they need to pick up something and study it. So why is it that you think, I mean, if this is, well, did you learn this in at Western? 
the uh, you know the mm-hmm. discrepancies within King James, or did you learn this in Israel? That's great. Um, Israel doesn't even fuss with it. They don't they respect don't, they, King they, James. They, yeah, no, okay. they don't. So I learned I learned this at Multnomah. Multnomah. Uh, and uh, I had a brilliant the language. So back in the day when I was there, their language program was one of the top in the nation. Okay. That's why I was there. It's yeah. the only place where you can get a whole degree in the in the in a in a language of Greek or Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, it's I don't know. It's hard pressed to find a place that does that anymore. Right. Except yeah. for if you get in your doctorate, you can go places. But anything below that, it's hard to find that. And that and so they were the ones that were teaching me. And opening my eyes to these issues, mm-hmm. and other and other um, you know excellent professors as well. Um, what are some of like what sticks out to you, or that you know in your mind when you think of errors in the King James version? Yeah. So, um, man, where to begin? Well, I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious, like how much stuff. time you got? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To keep to keep it short. Uh, they're, they're, take so your time, the book of Revelation, you know, I'm like, <laughs> okay. you know, the, the, if you go to King James Version and you look at the book of Revelation, much of that has been, uh, how do I say this, in simplest terms, been made up, straight up been made up. <laughs> no, 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 wait, wait, wait. So it's always been my assumption or just been taught to me. Mm-hmm. That John the Baptist wrote Revelation. Yeah, so you're saying yeah. John the Baptist did not write Revelation on the island of Patmos. Well, uh, it wouldn't be John the Baptist. It would be John. They might or say John the Apostle. John the Apostle, excuse me. No, no, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. But I, um, it, 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 well. And the, wh- where did that they... come from? Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know that, that it wasn't. Where did that come from that John the Apostle was on the island of Patmos when he was... Yeah. exiled or banished or whatever and he wrote revelation where mm-hmm. does that come from that, that's great well it does come from historical uh passages of nero when he was reigning uh and oh, then that, that. Mm-hmm, okay. in this in this century and uh, various other um, historical texts in that time i'm actually convinced that john because it's so late wrote that one you know what i'm saying because it's so it's you know, it's almost uh you know 95 ad mm-hmm. uh and there's good evidence to suggest it could be him. I'm down for. I mean, if it's not, it's not. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. bother me. It don't bother some of the people, um, <laughs> but uh, it could be him. But I do know for sure that the King James version is not based off of whatever he did right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because they had the Latin, um, and I, I'm not sure it was the Latin Vulgate at that time or which one it was, but mm-hmm. they they translated the Latin uh, into Greek or excuse me into the to the necessary English to try to get the rest of those. Um, uh, the story yeah but it's just it's, it's a lot so of where issues. did so where did revelation come from the book yeah uh it was written by john or some of his or, or disciple his or whatever but whatever we, but you, you mean just, you mean what are the manuscripts the king james i'm just saying like the the you saying so you're saying revelation is made up or it's just like whatever we have like how do you know that it's not that's great. authentic or not yeah yeah close to being authentic yeah so i'm not saying that revelation is made up itself the book that we that we have today with the more accurate manuscripts. What I'm saying is when King when the version was put together when in 1611, okay. they didn't have enough manuscript to to give a full scope of the book. Oh, that's what I'm. So I'm the saying in their that case, they were using exactly. So yeah. they didn't have enough info. Mm. So they started they started plugging in their own stuff into the mix. So the new King James version mm-hmm. probably has. Because you're talking about the original I'm 1611, original. for sure, right, for sure, right. for sure. So you're saying that the Bible has grown over time. Um, well, I'm not sure. I've got to be as honest far with as you. Revelation. I don't know about the New King James, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did not, if they do not use the most accurate 
scholarship today. Right, right, right. Um, but did the Bible change over time? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of people say it hasn't changed. <sighs> it's just the language has been updated and more modernized. So let's let's talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes, sir. This is something that um, you know, if you're young, not young, but if you if you're a Christian and you're doing um, apologetics, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they teach you. And apologetics means you're defending the faith, or right? Whatever. Right. So, uh, for those that don't know, and so when you're going through apologetics classes, and they're telling you, "Oh, well, we can rely on the Bible because we just found the Dead Sea Scrolls in the '50s, <laughs> and it corroborates everything that we already have today." So. One, why do people say that? Mm-hmm. And two, what's the truth that we need to know about the Dead Sea Scrolls? And what does the Dead Sea Scrolls really reveal about the Bible that we have today? Yes. Yeah, so, all right. So we have, so there's some some heavy hitters of manuscripts. Uh, so we have the Masoretic text or the MT for short that uh, we know about 100 A.D. was the time that it solidified all the vowel points in the in, in the and the text. But then we also have the Leningrad Codex I, t- I talked about. Um, but then we have the Septuagint, which mm-hmm. is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. The Greek translation of the Old Testament. And that was between 250 to 150 BC. I think it's probably one of the most important Old Testament. The Greek um, one. The Greek one. Not Hebrew, not Aramaic. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, not, not Hebrew, not Aramaic. Because, mm. because it's older than all of those, um, barring the Dead Sea Scrolls and... And Paul and them were quoting the Septuagint, not the Hebrew. They were quoting the Greek Old Testament, not the Hebrew Bible. That seems problematic. Cats don't know it. It's different too when you when you when you when you see Jesus quoting or Paul quoting, um, uh, and, and they're quoting there. If you were to take the Septuagint, you can match it up uh, from from the tradition that they're using at the time, mm-hmm. uh, almost almost word for word. Mm. And it says, yeah, there was just, there's no, no, and that's just a known feature that they quoted from the Septuagint. Wow. Um, so, but the, but the Dead Sea Scrolls, <clears throat> what, what was found? Like what's so, in yes. the text? So you know? the Dead Sea Scrolls has every single Bible, I'm sorry, every single book in the Old Testament and some other stuff except for Esther. Mm. Isn't that nuts? Esther is a real nationalistic type of book. So it I is. Can, mm-hmm. I can see that being added right right for national for some what, right. whatever whatever effect to help just like a, a heroic story for the jews mm-hmm. and a redemption story yeah and yeah. so the dead sea scrolls did play a very important part in uh making sure the text is more accurate and the variants we do see aren't that aren't that bad they're not going to change the text drastically mm-hmm. um but there are certain key places in the New Testament, I'm I'm always more concerned with not the manuscripts because I think that's pretty good, but the interpretation, mm. with the translation. When you're translating, you are interpreting. Yeah. Uh, and so when you get when you have your English, that's someone else's theology and ideas that you're reading, mm-hmm. and you may not have came to that view um, had you read this yourself. Let me give you an example. Let's say we're reading Isaiah, right? And it says, you know, um, you know, Elohim, uh, uh, you know, Rach, or 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 God creates, you know, um, you know, evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, 
if your theology is, well, God can't do evil, <laughs> you're going to translate at, that as, you know, God uh, allows to fall um, mm. the bad things or calamity. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. If, you're, if your view is, well, I'm just going to be faithful to the text and what it teaches, you might translate it as, and God is the cause of evil for certain things that happen. Mm-hmm. Now, no translation says that, even though that is the literal meaning of the text, uh, but their theology, their view will be involved in how you um, translate. I've heard ideas like that, like God will not just allow it. Mm-hmm. I mean, but even, but there there are certain passages where like, wasn't it King Saul where like God like caused him to have a troubling spirit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And like, there was something um, like in the New Testament. It says God is not the author of confusion. What mm-hmm, is that like? Mm-hmm. First Thessalonians or something like that. It would be Corinthians. Corinthians uh, uh, fourteen. But then, like you hear that a lot, especially in the black. God is not the author. God mm-hmm. is the God of order. Whatever. Um, do all things decently and in order. All that type of stuff. But then you go back to the Old Testament. And then there's the story of the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all these people were building this building and they were trying to reach heaven. Right, yeah. And God changed their language. Right. To confuse them. Right, right. So he literally was the author of confusion when it came to the people. So they right. no longer spoke the same language in that story, in that narrative. Right, right. You know what I mean? So it's just like right. we have these ideas that we've been taught. So it's almost like, all right, the New Testament is definitely contradicting the Old Testament when it comes to God and his characteristic. Right. Well, there's contradictions everywhere. Okay. I mean, one of my favorite contradictions, because um, there's... <laughs> favorite. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so many. And the saints, and you know, the the the, the, the apologists of the Bible. Because to me, there's two different... There's apologists of the Bible and apologists of the healthy Christian faith. I like them. I, I like to consider myself a part of them. But the apologists of the Bible toil day and night to come up with creative <laughs> ways to get rid of these um, blatant contradictions. Right. But one of my favorite ones that's oftentimes overlooked is... How does the Bible handle evil itself? Yeah. And you will get a variety of views. You listen to, you read some of the prophets. Evil is coming to you because you're not living righteous lives. You go over here, you go to Job, who is living a righteous life. Right. Evil is coming to him. He don't, there's no answer ever given in that book. No. You go to Ecclesiastes. Well, the answer is. For the Lord giveth and the Lord right, taketh right. away, the blessed right. be, or God giveth, God taketh right. away, blessed be the name of the Lord, something like that. You're right. That is the answer, that yeah. God is just God, so deal with it. So just take it. So wait, it's, even if I'm righteous, I I still suffer? But you just told me if I obey, I don't suffer. And then over here in Ecclesiastes, you got, you know what, the guy just says, and I like him, he was, you know, I don't know, the wise man and the fool will have the same fate, That's he says. Fact. Yeah. And... um. He doesn't. He doesn't know. And it's just, the Bible doesn't answer. The Bible is not a rule book for life. It does not answer for one's healthy living the most essential answers. Mm. Even though it's preached that way, I, you know, the Bible doesn't answer questions on abortion. It doesn't answer questions uh, 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 on on uh, marriage and divorce uh, very clearly. Anyway, mm-hmm. it doesn't answer questions on um, depression. Uh, how to be a good father. I mean, these are essential things, how to be a good mother, uh, how to be faithful uh, to your community and holding them accountable. 
um, it doesn't answer those questions. Is the Bible God breathed, inspired by God, the infallible word of God, men that were writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Is the Bible the word of God? Uh, I would say that is almost 100 percent false. <laughs> That's pretty strong, bro. You know, I know. I know the saints would come after me. But I will never define that what they might mean by those terms. So an errant, they mean to say this without error, either historical or science, mm. or if they want to go, it's without error and all that it professes to be true. Um, and then in, 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 uh, that's an errant and inspired, you know, is that the Holy Spirit is in the text. Uh, mm. you know, it's uh, active. It's alive. It's a living. It's the living word of God, as the preacher might say. I mean, say. but that's what the... That's what some of the texts say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Live, it's a living word. It's a sword yeah, that cuts, profitable. Mm -hmm. spits, splits bone and marrow and right, all that type right. of stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. And uh, and uh, what I say to that is the uh, you, when you're looking for evidence on whether or not something is true, you don't look at that source who claims it's true. So that's like saying... Um, uh, how do you know the Bible is true? How should we trust it? How do you know it's God's word? Well, because the Bible says so. Well, that's circular. <laughs> right. Uh, there's no way to escape that circle to get some evidence. And there is no evidence at all that demonstrates that the Bible is um, God's word and it's inerrant and infallible. Man. Well, I, I got to say this, actually, there's 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 one piece of evidence that I can hear our apologist brothers of the Bible suggesting, you yeah. know, that, you know, well, Jesus, he treated the Old Testament as authoritative and as God's word. But I don't think he did. Why don't you think he did? Well, because they're just uh, they're assuming, again, the very thing they're trying to prove just because the Lord uses the text and he uses it for his audience who are Jewish people, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that he thinks that it is somehow divinely inspired. I don't even think that concept existed back then, actually. Mm. I think it's, uh, I don't think the concept existed um, that some inanimate object with some words on it has divine properties. Mm. Um, so they'd have to prove that to me first before I can buy into that argument. So... When did you come up with like how did how do you get to that point though? Yeah, you know, like you you went to Monoma, you went to Israel. Did you get to that point after leaving Israel or while you were studying? Were there rabbis that would concur with you? Like how how do you how do you come to that conclusion to say that it's right. damn near a hundred percent not the word of God? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I got to say, before I began this that journey of, of coming with that view, um, I was scared. Okay. You know, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to hell or whatever else. Because <laughs> right. our faith, if you let, if even though men not say this, is it should be in Jesus, but it's not. It's in the Bible. Mm. They, they treat that thing like it's another God that they worship. It's ironic that the Ooh. Lord says, do not commit idolatry, but yet the Bible is their idol. 
Mm. It can't save you. It can't redeem you. It can't move you. Those are properties. Those are skills of Yahweh himself and the Holy Trinity that do that. That's not the Bible. And so I just began to take the la- and my language. Cl- it wasn't my theology classes that helped me. It was the language classes. Mm. Uh, that I was seeing the text in its original form, looking at textual criticism and saying, hold up, this is not right. What's not right? The, 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 all of these errors, all mm. of these mistakes, mm. and the hope of getting to the original autographs, you know, the, the original being perfect. And then I, I, as I grew in my philosophy, as a, cause yeah. I, you know, as I'm growing in my way of thinking, you know, yeah. and, and, and gaining some, some, some analytical skills, and I began to think about it more philosophically. Well, how is it possible? What would have to take place for these things to be divine? It's just absolutely odd if you wasn't raised under that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and, and, and then also through reading numerous scholars, reputable scholars, mm-hmm. um, who pointed out all the contradictions and all the issues and God, in my view, can't contradict himself. Otherwise a being who's all powerful, doesn't need to contradict himself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He can do anything he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 and so, uh, all of these issues and then the human element just kept coming up. Uh, so let me play devil's advocate. Devil's advocate. Please, please. Um, how can I play devil's advocate? Okay, so prophecies. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, an apologist, will say, "Well, there are certain prophecies that have come true." Mm-hmm. What do you say about prophecies that came true, supposedly came true from the Old Testament times to the New Testament times, or just even prophecies that may have came about in the Old Testament? What do you What do you say to that? Yeah. Well, I say there's three simple things. <clears throat> the first, I would say, I'm not against prophecy. Okay. I think if God is real mm-hmm. and he's and he came down in the form of Jesus Christ, then he can, he does know the future. So I, prophecies don't bother me. But then I would say, secondly, assuming that they're true, assuming that what they're pointing to, Isaiah and Daniel and the variety of other prophecies, mm-hmm. um, just because a prophecy is true, doesn't mean the Bible is is true. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, uh, uh, um, you know, um, yeah, I guess I can just keep it right there. Just because one element of a thing is true doesn't make the whole thing true. You yeah. know, just it's it's a old school fallacy yeah. of thinking. Let's say we had an album and every song on the album is three minutes. Just because every song on the album is three minutes doesn't mean the whole album, if we played it, was going to be three minutes. Mm-hmm. And so same thing with these, just because these prophecies came out true doesn't mean the whole thing is true. Now, I don't think that is the case, though. Mm-hmm. But even if it were true, they'd still be wrong. And so then thirdly, I'd ask them, where are you going? Where are, you, are you talking about Isaiah's prophecy or Daniel's prophecy? Because as far as modern scholarship goes, those texts were written after those events had occurred. Right. <laughs> and so that's not prophecy. That's uh, looking back and that's just history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just history. Um, so. Man. What about the prophecy? So let's, we've been more, we've been pretty heavy on the Old Testament. The prophecy yeah. of the Messiah, mm-hmm. of Jesus. And then we have the Gospels. And so, you know, born of a virgin or born of a woman. I don't know what it said. And yeah, his bones yeah. wouldn't be broken and all mm-hmm. this, all that type of stuff, you know. Um, you know, only begotten son of God. I don't know if that was prophesied, but like he will come and 
save man what yeah. all the, all that stuff what do you say about that like how reliable are the gospels and do you think prophecies from the old testament you know point to jesus as the messiah yeah uh i think that's an excellent question where to be so um i do not think that in the old testament none of the prophets had jesus in mind they couldn't have um, some scholars think that they did have Jesus in mind, but they need to show me how they know this, what evidence do they have for this. <clears throat> but the evidence seems to suggest that when they're prophesying about the young woman, the writer, Isaiah, or <clears throat> whoever it is, um, is really prophesying, uh, he thinks, about some young woman, some king in that time, um, and so it's not necessarily pointing to Christ at all. Now, I think there was hope for a Messiah. There's no doubt mm -hmm. about that. That right. the whole Old Testament is pointing to some Redeemer, some ultimate Redeemer, um, to come and 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 uh, take form to redeem people. Yeah. And of course, the Jews thought that person would be some kind of general to free them from oppression. Right. You know, they they've been oppressed by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Um, now the Romans, mm -hmm. and they're like come free us yeah um and so there's that and i think that the new testament writers latched on to jesus as the messiah you know see what the black pastors mm -hmm. will say well they they was looking for somebody to lead and they wanted somebody to mm -hmm. come with his sword but they know jesus they were he was gonna save you he was gonna save you yeah. from your sins right. you are not going to hell because of the blood of jesus <laughs> and then you know and so yeah man right and so, and then the church gonna start shouting, mm -hmm. and then we we can't even get no more farther get... than what you talking about. No, yeah. Now, as for the reliability of the gospels, I think that the gospels are pretty reliable. Uh, In now, what sense, like yeah, as far no, as me, mm -hmm. Jesus being the only begotten Son of God, all the events that happen, walking on water, how what what's what do you say is reliable about it? Yeah. So for checking out the life of Jesus, the historical life of Jesus, there are a couple principles that historians use to vet whether or not something's true or false. Mm -hmm. And the first is, um, is it is does this event show up? in two separate documents, in two separate traditions. So like, you know, as you know, uh, Mark, or excuse me, Matthew and Luke took a lot from Mark. Mm -hmm. But then Matthew and Luke themselves have a lot in common that they take from some document Q. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, if there is a Markin and Q account that is very similar but different a little bit, then it's most likely that event did take place because mm. it's different traditions. And they're, they may have their spin, but the meat of it, may be the same right and so we get a lot of um when it comes to jesus we get a lot of uh uh, uh different varying um you know inf pieces of information that corroborate the stories and then also one wants to look at um do the events that take place kind of go against the modern culture mm -hmm. or does it tarnish or would it tarnish the author's image or the image of the pillars of that religion or something like that, then those are those might most likely be true as well. So I would say that I'm comfortable with the Gospels um, in a lot of areas. I know that they're writing for different reasons, though. I, I mm. come in knowing that they did, um, you know, curate it for their purpose. It was it's curated for their purpose. Uh, to to get it across. Now I do believe that Jesus said what he said about himself. 
that he is mm. the son of God and that uh, the, the claims uh, and the things that he did were indeed true. If I had my notes, I could show you some quotes from Josephus even who mm-hmm. talks about Jesus. And he says, there's a guy named, you know, Jesus of Nazareth and he calls himself, you know, the Messiah. Mm. And he's going around doing marvelous, miraculous wonders. This mm-hmm. is coming from a guy who's not Christian. He's right. a straight up Jew under the Roman guard. Uh, and so he's out there doing stuff. And so I'm pretty convinced that, that, that Jesus is a real person who did these things and is unique. So one of, um, one of the, one of my listeners, I think it was my guy, Jesse, man, shout out to Jesse. I think he, he wrote in, um, about Jesus. Why did he ask? Why did he, ask? he was basically asking like, why isn't there extensive historical um, records about Jesus outside of the Bible. We always hear mm-hmm, Josephus. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least in my studies, you come across Josephus and you come across, I can't remember what Roman or Greek ruler at the time that was talking about Jesus. It was like Ptolemy the fourth right, or something right, like mm-hmm. that. Um, but outside of that, and of course the quote unquote gospel writers, right? there's not extensive history about them. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. That's the thing about ancient history, is that I think us modern, us modern thinkers and modern viewers, uh, we have ample of everything. Yeah, you know, we have copies on copies. We can Google anything. Uh, so the question is, at a historical level, is there enough evidence to suggest that this person existed mm-hmm. and did what he did? Right. So when I look at the the John and Matthew, Mark and Luke. I, I first look at them, if I'm going to analyze them, not as the Bible, but as separate books. Yeah. Just separate s- tellings about Christ. And then also we have, so so Mark was the earliest of them. So maybe maybe he was 55 AD or something. And then Matthew after that, then Luke, then Acts, Luke and Acts are one, and then John. Um, but there are books earlier than that. Mm-hmm. that have been written about Christ in early traditions. So in Corinthians, which is, is known to be written by Paul, mm-hmm. definitely was a very early piece, um, which adds more evidence to it. But be, but beyond that, beyond that, what I think is crazy is, so let's take um, an author that I favor, um, not, uh, uh, well, yeah, he, uh, maybe he wrote it all, Plato. Mm-hmm. Again, we have the same issue with Plato. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of... Uh, Guess how many manuscripts there are to corroborate Plato's Republic and his other writings? Just take a gander. Mm, let's say 35. 35. Seven. That's it? That's it. Mm. Seven. You got Herodotus, uh, uh, Thucydides, uh, Homer. These texts, like how many man? There's so little. But for, for Jesus in this and his, there's like 5,000 and something and counting. Uh, 5,000 as in like original, well, Jew, not original, right, but like right. just... Just copies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Copies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Manuscripts, copies, and in there you can find a whole bunch of different traditions mm. about them. Mm. Um, and to me, that's very good. If I'm going to buy, you know, Plato's views and, and call it authentic, mm. and historians do, I think that we can comfortably call Christ and his work authentic. And, and what's cool is that there is no scholar, um, uh, whether they're uber liberal or conservative, who denies Christ's existence. Uh, so uh, well, there are some. Well, the, what I'm saying is the ones that I know of have been refuted by the most recent book on this by this guy named Bart Ehrman. 
Okay. Who was not a Christian at all. In yeah. fact, he writes many things against Christians. He's not very fond of how they believe. Mm-hmm. But he's a historian, uh, and uh, he, he that's his most recent one. But uh, after reading his book... Um, and he goes through the guys you're mentioning. There's no, there's no one holding a university post. No, no, uh, no scholar uh, who's teaching lang- Old Testament language or New Testament language or anything like that. Theology that holds the position that Christ never existed. Mm. Um, and so there is no, there is no historical evidence on that. And but I'm interested. If you know of one, please let me know. I would love to read his or her work and see, you know, what evidence they have because I'm totally open to the evidence. For sure. But as far as I know, that's. Where schol- present scholarship is at. Okay. Um. So, if you're under the premise that the Bible is not the infallible, inspired, God-breathed Word of God, how do you still call yourself a Christian? Yeah. That's how do great. you How do you come to that conclusion? That's a great question. Well, because it's not based on the Bible. It sounds like. No. No. Not not entirely. Right. Not entirely. So I, I think that uh, where I began in my, my search is with using logic and reason. Okay. And with that, I have, uh, I think it's it can be demonstrated very strongly that there is a God, at least. We can start, you know, there, that you, you could deduce your way to there having to be a higher power. Mm-hmm. I mean, morality exists. Morality, yeah. good and evil can't exist without some goodness. Um, uh, this way, this uniform the universe is formulated with the you know mathematical constants. That's just bewildering. That can't happen by chance. That's the only other option is on accident. Chance plus matter plus time, which is not seems to be very likely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a host of arguments that I think convince me that there's a God. Now, then after the God, what convinced me that there's a Jesus is let's look at the historical evidence of Jesus himself and see what. It suggests. Mm-hmm. And so uh, before I looked at that, I looked at the claims that Jesus made about himself and every religion and every even uh, more secular belief. Humans are are messed up. We're mm-hmm. broken, you yeah, know, yeah. and we and I just think it's an interesting thing that we're trying to make efforts to improve ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so um, how can we improve ourselves uh, if we're so sick? Mm. And so it seems to me that we need some kind of help, a helper. But the helper can't be like us. Um, but better than that, when I look at the claims of Christ himself um, and the evidence for his death, burial, and resurrection, I, I become immediately um, moved by just the the uh, strength of the evidence mm. that every scholar, at least at least 75% of them, believe in these three things that Jesus literally died and he uh, was buried in Joseph's tomb and that he rose on the third day or or that the tomb was empty anyway. They mm-hmm. say the tomb is empty. Mm-hmm. And looking at all the explanations and alternatives and um, coming to the conclusion that Jesus is real. <clears throat> oh, well, let me answer why I'm a Christian. Real ahead, so, so I said I had to say, and so then I come to the conclusion, and this is uh, that uh, taken what Jesus said, that the only way people can be saved is not by believing in the Bible mm-hmm. or speaking in tongues or prophesying, that we can only be saved uh, by belief in Christ, who isn't going to be some dictator over our life, uh, but that what helps us to grow is love. There's no rule book anymore. 
Mm-hmm. It's all obsolete. Mm. And that we're living a life. Now, I do believe that once you uh, get in a relationship with Christ, um, you should live in accordance to that, but not with a law book, uh, with with how we live with our wives. You know, my wife never wrote down Ten Commandments, but if I love her, I strive to better our relationship mm-hmm. and I strive not to offend our relationship. And I think the same happens with Christ. And it's tough because the Bible doesn't give clean answers um, and all the details of how not to offend him. That's why our relationship with Christ offend looks who? different. Christ. Mm. To offend our relationship with him. There are there are folks that would say it's very clear, right? Yes, they, yes. Mm-hmm. You know? And so... Um, Let's see. So you believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God? I do. I do. Okay. So Jesus did say, I did not come to mm-hmm. abolish the law. Right, right. I came to fulfill the law. Right. So as a Christ believer, Christ follower, wouldn't you still be subject to the law because mm-hmm. Jesus didn't come to abolish it? But to fulfill it? That's a great question. I think that uh, I do uphold the law as it was intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all depends on what you, how you view the Old Testament. My view uh, of the Old Testament with the evidence is that the Old Testament, the laws given, you know, there's about 613 of them, and not all of them apply in every case and to every person. Some of those laws are for women and whatnot mm-hmm. and how to handle uh, sacrifices. But... Um, what I have grown to understand, and this is in the text itself, is that the Old Testament laws were never meant to be lived out literally. Mm. It was always intended for it to be a relationship. So here are a couple examples. When Samuel, uh, excuse me, when Saul did some crazy stuff, I think it's in uh, 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 1 Samuel 15, 17 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he messed up, Saul messed up, and he tried to do all these offerings to to Yahweh and then he says I I demand obedience obedience is better than sacrifice right well that would contradict the law if the law was meant to be something that you obeyed perfectly but instead it seems to me that the law is there as a tutor on how we have a healthy relationship with Yahweh how we have a beautiful relationship well then we can look at other people like David who uh, you know slept with Bathsheba mm-hmm. and who killed your uh, Uriah mm-hmm. her husband Again, he should have been stoned and killed twice over if the law is to be something you follow out explicitly. But I think the intention since the beginning has always been for the law to be um, nothing, not something we follow literally, but a tutor on how we have a healthy relationship with Yahweh. Mm. And so Jesus does that perfectly. He gives us a perfect example of how you've, because if you know it's crazy, if you're following Yahweh the way Jesus, as Jesus does, as he follows his father, he fulfills the law if the law is about having a healthy relationship with the divine. Do you believe in sin? I do. And how do you define sin? Yeah, that's good. So sin is not uh, uh a collection of rules that one must follow objectively in all cases. Mm-hmm. I think that sin is the objective ara- uh, reality um, that happens when you offend your relationship with Yahweh. It's all relational. Mm-hmm. It's no more rule connected. Mm. So drinking alcohol, if I'm an alcoholic, is a sin for me. 
You know, James 4, 17, he that knows uh, what to do, but they don't do it. That's sin. Mm. You know, let's say that my wife and children are hungry and you're rolling around, you know, as a pastor in your Rolls Royce and you have to talk about you're going to pray for me. You're in sin. Why don't you give us some food to eat? Right. Um, you know, if you're a racist, if you're a bigot, if you're a homophobe, if you're if you're a, 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 an abuser, if you're one who continuously lies to friends, you're in sin. Mm-hmm. It's about relationship. Are you? Are, am I offending my brother? And by offending you, I offend God. Mm. Now imagine if we lived life like that. No rules. No rule book needed. But if I see you as Christ, and whatever I do to you or whatever I don't do to you, that is going to be my fate. Your fate as in what? Like what's the mm-hmm. what's the end game? What's the logical conclusion? Yeah. What what is the afterlife? Yeah. Like what what do you believe about the afterlife and you know, heaven, hell, consequences, no consequences, reincarnation? How do you see it? That's a great question. I believe that there is indeed going to be a place, and I, you know, I don't want to use the word heaven and hell because they're so, you know, I'm saying everyone has their view, mm-hmm. and uh, but I think that heaven, and I think the text teaches this, and evidence goes along with this, is going to be where you are with your Creator, like where we're with the perfect God. You know what I'm saying? And it can be on a splintered apartment next door to hell. But being with him is the goal, not the gold. I'm, people are always preaching as if the goal of heaven is the transparent gold and all these jewels and things. In the mansion. In the mansions. Mm-hmm. Who gives? Who cares about the mansions? If everybody has a mansion. Right. You know, it's, what I'm not, saying? it's not special. You know, they don't even <laughs> think about it. Um, and so it's, it's obviously that's all figurative language. It's not literal at all. Uh, and I'll get to hell in a moment, also, that we know that's not literal. Well, but Pearly Gates, though, my brother. I mean, you know, streets I, of gold. Yeah, right, right. Flown with milk and honey. <laughs> you know? with milk and honey. No, okay. And all of those are Jewish allusions to what they love. You know, <laughs> right. there will be no sea. Yeah. Well, there's not going to be no water. Well, no, they thought the sea was, you know, anyhow. There's a lot of these things. But <laughs> okay. I, I think it's just about being in relationship in perfect unity with one another and with God. That's simple. Don't know. That's it's going to be. I'm convinced here on this earth somehow refurbished, rechanged. There's going to be technology. You're still going to be doing, you know, your passions to the highest degree. Catch. I mean, you're going to live the, out in your the afterlife. Fullest, and yeah, okay. You're going to live out your fullest self. That's going to be heaven. Who you are meant to be. And I think hell isn't going to be some fire. Tell me how you have fire and darkness. That's that's a contradiction. So clearly that's not happening. <laughs> Cats be like, there's darkness and fire. Well, fire breeds light. Well, DMX did say it's dark and hell is hot. So <laughs> maybe maybe you know he's on to something. There's a different type of fire. You know that hell fire hit right. hit different. You know right exactly. <laughs> different kind of fire altogether. That's funny, but. Yeah, so hell's going to be the opposite where you make the decision. Well, imagine this. Let's say I'm a, just a bitter person. Yeah. And I, you know, don't ever want Jesus or anything. And so I'm living out my life as a bitter person. Now, for 80 years being bitter, you you kind of develop some things. But imagine 100 years or 1,000 years. What kind of deformities may come about because of that? Right. You know, bitterness and sickness. Cause, and we know from psychology that your certain mental states can cause physical For sure. ailments. Oh, yeah. And so I think hell is just being without God and never reaching your maximum potential. Mm. And what's cold is that some of you are living hell here on earth. That's a fact. That's a big Bitter, yeah. angry. Well, let's. 
I want to get into the listener questions. I know oh, yes, sir. Y'all been listening for about an hour, <laughs> and, and some of the questions have been touched. Uh, I think I hit one of Tim's questions um, about afterlife and your belief in God. Jesse hit your question. Uh, a few other folks, I'm, we, we gonna get to it, but this scenario, I think we already discussed this um, last week off air. But the 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 thing that happened with the folks from the North Sentinel Island, you mm-hmm. know, there was the white guy. He was a Christian. He was a missionary. And he just had it in his heart to go give the gospel to these folks mm-hmm. on this island. Now, the folks of the North Sentinel Island is a very, very small island off the Bay of Bengal uh, near India. Um, this was one of the oldest civilizations of people in known civilizations in the world. Been there supposedly for 40 or 50,000 years. Very small island. No more than 50 to 150, maybe 200 people ever lived there at any point in time. They live in huts. They are pretty much naked. Um, they fish for themselves and they defend themselves with spears, bows and arrows. There was a what a tsunami what 10 years ago. And there was a helicopter to fly over that island to see if people were still there. And some of the men, the warriors came out with bows and arrows and they were shooting <laughs> bows and arrows at a helicopter. Wow. That's how these people live. So the guy the guy went to the island. To give them the quote unquote gospel, mm-hmm. um, the fishermen that that took him there, they broke a law because there's a like a five mile or five kilometer radius that you're supposed to stay away from these people because it's known that these people defend themselves at all costs mm. and any intruders would get killed on site. So the wow. the government is like, you just don't go there, leave them alone, they're fine. Right, we right. don't want that line, we don't want that land. Don't mess with them. This is for your safety. But he bribed the people to take him. So they took him. He went to the island, and the fishermen said they could, they could see it as soon as he touched that sand. Mm. Shot up with arrows, and then they dragged him away by his neck uh, with a rope around his neck. And mm. he died. Right. He got killed. Now, to me, those people who have been living there for 40,000, 50,000 years, wow. they don't need our gospel. Mm. They don't need our Jesus. Right, right. Whoever they're worshiping, however they're living, however they're existing and taking care of themselves without the influence of any book or ideology, they are doing just fine. So what do you say to those types of people that either are illiterate or just live in a remote area and really don't need any other means of improving their life? Mm hmm. What value is the Bible or the gospel to them? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. I, I believe, um, as I was saying earlier, us, us being humans, just trying to strive to be the best. Yeah. But us being so um, incomplete. Mm. Uh, and I think our brothers and sisters there, too, are incomplete. And so I do believe they have to be saved uh, through the vehicle of Christ. But what's different? what's different is that you don't have to be conscious of them. That man who's bringing the gospel and him dying is not going to prevent them from being saved. It's not the gospel that saves you. Mm. People will be thinking, is the, and these missionaries. It's quotable. It's it, not the it's gospel. Not. The gospel is the power unto God to right. save. And the, what, what is it? Yeah, Romans, yeah, that's what it is. is Romans, it Romans yeah. 116? The power, the power of God unto, unto not, salvation. Unto salvation. Uh, but it's unto it. It is, it. it is what you hear that gets you there. But what saves you isn't the gospel. Otherwise, mm. everyone who heard it would be saved. But that's not true. But they have to believe in the gospel, right? Uh, what was well, well, then uh, 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 
Well, well, let's see. I do believe one has to believe in the gospel. But for our brothers and sisters who are on this island, for these cases all across the world, mm -hmm. them not believing or getting a chance to believe does not disqualify them from salvation. Okay. Because if it's true that we're not saved by what we do, then simply uh, those that believe will be saved and those who never got the chance to believe could never be saved. What happens to children? We'd have to exclude them too. Uh, you know, young children that die or whatever who never heard. Mm -hmm. So then the way that I reconcile that theologically is I believe, and I think the text teaches this, that had these people who are worshiping their gods, and whether mm -hmm. it's the Muslim God or the Jew, or, you know, I think it's Yahweh, and, and the Buddhist gods, have they been introduced to the pure gospel? Not the the, the stuff that some of these guys teach at the churches, because mm -hmm. even that's not pure. Yeah. Have they been introduced to the pure gospel, the pure Christ? And if they would have accepted him, that is good enough. And so whatever light you have, whatever light they have that they're worshiping, and that glimmer is Yahweh, and they're faithful to that, that is good enough for him. Now, the means is through Christ, but they don't have to be conscious of Christ. Because mm. he was our representative for all of humanity, and so everyone must go through him, but you don't need to be cognitive of him. Uh, just like one can play the piano or drive a car, you can do that successfully without knowing how it works. You don't have to be cognitive of the details to use it effectively. And I think it's the same with salvation of these brothers and sisters. And for those who are getting saved here in America, most of them still don't know the gospel, but mm -hmm. I consider them saved. I rarely hear the gospel preached. It's always connected to some action, giving more money, doing this, doing that. What if... Well, go ahead, my brother, please. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um... So what is the gospel? What is the pure, unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, and that is what I live by, because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate. For sure. Is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. Mm. Quotable. <laughs> and so to, to elaborate on that is that uh, what justifies us or what saves us has already been done in Christ. So all the work that we do as Christians mm -hmm. isn't to gain things from God, <laughs> you know, to gain favor or to gain heaven. That's already given to you. Then people ask, then why should I do anything at all then if it's all given to me? And that's how I know people are really saved because they realize that what you're doing isn't out of religion, but out of response because you really do believe in this guy. Mm -hmm. If this guy's a joker, then you're going to look like the mothers with the big hats and the people who wear all the necessary garb to fulfill religious quotas mm -hmm. because God is checking the list and he's checking it twice. Mm -hmm. And so what you do is going to be how you're saved because that's how they thought the gospel is. Mm. But I'm saying it's the opposite. What mm. you do doesn't even matter to your salvation. You're only doing it because you want to respond um, out of gratefulness. It's equivalent to, let's say, um, that, uh, you know, you were out of town, your family's out of town, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, you guys got back in town. I was like, oh, man, you know, I noticed your house, the shingle thing was off or something, and, I, you know, I paid 20 bucks to get that fixed. You were like, oh, man, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, I can pay back. Oh, no, no, it's good. Let's say you guys are out of town, and you come back home, and um, your house was, like, destroyed by some tornado, mm. and I paid $500,000 to get that house rebuilt. Mm -hmm. Your response is going to be different. <laughs> right, right, right. Because it's a large amount of money. And so we respond to things um, depending on how great they are to us. Mm. And if it is true that this Jesus really did what he's saying that I'm that he did, then our, you don't need a rule book. 
your response would be equivalent to what you believe. See, that was one thing that I, you know, as a kid you do, mm -hmm. and even as an adult, just anybody that's thinking about what they're doing and why they're doing it. So right. it's like you come and they tell you that your sins will be forgiven. Right. If you just come to Jesus, you will be saved. Your sins are forgiven if you ask for forgiveness. But then once you get in, you kind of you're kind of forced to continue <laughs> to live right in a manner to be like, well, I mean, but but the Bible tells you to be blameless and spotless harmless children of god and you know what i mean like I know. yeah yeah re repent <clears throat> repent turn away and if you're still in sin or whatever like so it and then it just it, it brings to your mind like more sins like you didn't exactly. know that all oh, that oh that's a sin oh that's a sin oh i can't say that. oh i can't do this right oh man i gotta live right but it's like if you're already saved and your sins have been forgiven and the debt has been paid why are we now in a cycle of monitoring our sins exactly because they don't you know? know the gospel i know yes sir yes okay. sir okay i think you're 100 right my brother i think you're right yeah that that it would be a false sickening damning and oppressive gospel yeah i have so many friends who are depressed for sure because they think that they're not getting into heaven or god doesn't love them because they haven't achieved all these things mm -hmm. and i always have to tell them you're free what is oppressing you isn't what you do. It's your own self. You're but, your, but, but your pastor told you that you are because you right. watch love and hip hop. Right. Or it's just that, the fact that you went to the movies. Right. Or that your skirt was too long. Right. Or you didn't shout long enough. Right. Yeah. You didn't give God praise when I told you to give God praise. Right. Right. Yeah. Something's wrong with you. You you don't even pay tithes. Yeah. You don't even pay you didn't you didn't even go above and beyond. You just gave <coughs> what was required. See, my level of faith. Right. <laughs> I go above and beyond because my God, right. you know, and so they, they make you feel bad. They do. And you know what? They're not listening to Jesus. Is I have rarely heard people preach what Jesus teaches. They're always preaching Paul mm. or some story they take out of context out of the Old Testament. But they never preach what Jesus preaches. Mm. Remember his parable? Well, there's so many of them. They're so good. It's so good. Um, but the parable of the guys who are in the field and they're working, you know, yeah. uh, and, and they're making this, you know, well, I'm just going to cut to the chase for, you know, for the time's sake. But his point was, what makes you saved is simply your identity, mm. not your actions. Mm. So even if. You act like a worm in the mud, but you're really a dove. You can still fly. Mm. And there's nothing that can change that. And I'm trying to get the Christians to understand it is your identity that determines where you belong, not what you do. There are going to be a lot of gay brothers and sisters in heaven and a lot of priests and bishops in hell because mm. they never got that. Mm. That's deep, man. Well, I appreciate that, bro. That's a, that level of clarity and just that that stance is is pretty freeing. It's pretty liberating. It is, and uh, yeah, man. But it's it's not something I don't see it. <clears throat> I mean, it could be popular. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows, man? Well, I think it. I think it would not be popular with our pastors and teachers who are teaching today. But I think it would be popular among the members who can't seem to catch a break. They feel like they sit in left and right. Yeah.
You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. <clears throat> well, let's get into the listener questions, okay, man. Yeah. Um, I have about 13 left. So let's try sure, to breeze sure. through these as much as much as we can. Um, and I don't mean to impede on your time. No, you got... no, please. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to do this and I have the time to do it. Already. Um, I think this was from Tamaria. She said, I get Mary Magdalene and the woman Jesus healed from many demons mixed up. Uh, mm-hmm. are, are they the same person or not? Um, that's a great question. There are many Marys. Right. And, be, and they're just be honest. The listener. Pretty general name. It's, it's a very general name. Yeah. Uh, I think they're different people, but I'd have to double check that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her confusion is well founded. <laughs> um. She's not the only one. No. Um, why are there denominations? Why mm. is Christianity so divided? Man, last time I checked, actually, uh, there are 200, what, 280 different denominations. My God. Um, and the reason that there are so many denominations, which is funny, because if the Bible really is God's word, you'd think that it would be clear. But mm. come on now, you know, all these divisions, he's the worst uh, if he, if it is his word, this is the worst. God is so confusing. <laughs> right. This all-knowing God can't <laughs> give a cohesive <laughs> story, can he? That's that's kind of crazy. Um, so, yeah, they just differ because what they think is essential. So let's say, like, Emmanuel has a church. Him and I had a church together. He feel like babies can get baptized and that saves them. I don't. We split. You know, we just keep on splitting <laughs> and splitting. That's a real split, bro. That's a real split. That's a real split. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's why. Or one thinks gifts are, you know, God can give prophecy, another doesn't, and they just keep on splitting and splitting. One believe that you're not, you not saved unless you speak in tongues. Right, yeah. The other, well, you just got to get baptized. Right. Like, no, well, you got to do both. Right, right, I know. One will say, oh, well, if you uh, if the women wear makeup and lipstick, mm-hmm. they're not saved. Right, right. If you use instruments in church. Right. Y'all doing it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So many. Okay. Um, I think this is from Cheyenne. I remember my grandmother telling me that if someone commits suicide, they're pretty much guaranteed themselves a one-way flight to hell. She says something along the lines of, it goes against God's plan. Is that true? If so, or if not, please explain. That's a great question. I also want to emphasize, too, if we can also change our paradigm, that the goal isn't, in the end of our life, heaven or hell. Mm. The goal is being in perfect community with my brother and our creator. Yeah. Screw heaven. I don't care where it's at or what, you know, all the, it's like, where are we, where are we going to be living together as a community that's healthy? And you know how much I would benefit as Emmanuel is progressing his passions and gifts with perfection and, and I the same and you as well. But as for suicide, underneath the myth or the false gospel that what you do saves you, of course you're going to hell. Yeah. Because you committed a sin, you have no time to repent. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. underneath the truth that's really taught, that I think taught by Jesus himself, and Paul does it excellent in Galatians, is that since what we do has no bearing on our salvation, mm. uh, that Jesus did really pay for the past, present, and future sins, and our goal was to live in response, and we're going to fuck it up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're not going to be perfect, but what relationship is? A person who commits suicide, most certainly that would not affect where they're going to be dwelling. Mm. Uh, there'll be many people who committed suicide that's going to be with the Lord. Yeah. Because it's who they are. They just happen to be someone who didn't live up to their full potential mm-hmm. rather than someone who didn't do what some rule maker wanted them to do. Yeah. And some people just have like 
mental breakdown. Yeah. Some people hallucinate. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you never know what's going on to have someone come to that conclusion. But it's not I mean, it's it's some turmoil in, in their mind. Right. You know, it's some it's a high level of depression, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cheyenne shot me this one. How much of the Bible is influenced by astronomy? I.e., you mm-hmm. know, twelve tribes of of Israel, twelve disciples. Yeah, um, as as far as I know, not much of it. Astronomy, um, or, or she means astrology. Is it astrology? Astrology, because oh. astronomy is the study of the uh, proper the star- physics. Mm-hmm. Oh, physics. Astrology. Okay, yeah. astrology for sure. Like the zodiac signs. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, as for astrology, that is that was very popular back then. But it's not the it's not the, uh, the zodiacs signs. They're I think I think they're they're Greek, way later development than the Hebrew. Really. Brothers and sisters, so I the think Hebrew so. stuff was first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I believe so. Now they did have a form of astrology, though. No doubt about that. They did have a form, but I don't think it was divided uh, the way it's divided now. Okay. So the twelve signs that was more potentially modeled after the Hebrew stories, and then they just did their own little version. Right. Right. Because the number twelve for them, you know, symbolized uh, rule and government. For who? For the for the Jews. For the Jews. For the okay. Israelites, and Word. so they that's they keep using that motif. The twelve as a as as the you know uh, show governance. Seven is the completion. You know mm-hmm. three. You know all these numbers have forty. You know uh, was forty forty four. I forgot. I used to know them all, but yeah, they have significant meanings mm-hmm. for their for their culture. So, do you think that like some of these Bible stories um, were just told to emphasize those numbers, like? The flood, Noah's Ark, you know what I mean? Like 40 days and, was it 40 days and 40 nights yeah. it rained? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you take that story as, as literal? Because there are other mm-hmm. stories right. that that speak to a flood that were before the Jewish stories. Like, right. I think I mentioned it, or you had mentioned it, like and an, Antrasis mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like Antrahasis. that. Antrahasis. Antrahasis yeah. and just, yeah, Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, other Anunnaki type stories. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? My brother, I'm with you. If, if you know if you buy it, I, I'm sorry, and I can be more specific. Genesis chapter one and chapter eleven is 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 myth, and what I mean by myth, um, I don't mean hardcore myth like it's all false because I think there are truths in the story. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like we can draw out truths, but there was no guy literally named Noah. There was no literal ship. There was no literal. <laughs> Um, you know, come on now, animals. I mean, if people just thought for a moment, and I believe God can do miracles, I'm not trying to knock that. But your it's just, faith, my brother, you see, <laughs> if you just held on to God's unchanging just, hand right. and believed in the word of God and stood firm, my brother, see, then I'd be, I'd be saved. I'd yeah. be healthy. Um, so yeah, no, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't buy that. Um, wait, wait, wait. So, oh, yeah. Genesis one through eleven. Yes, sir. Myth. Yes, sir. Adam and Eve, uh, creation, mm-hmm. the apple or the Whatever forbidden the fruit, fruit. Tower of Babel, all of it. Mm. All of it. So what, what part of the origin story do you latch on to, if any? Yeah, so I, uh, you know, once again, don't take it any of it as literally true at all or history at all. Yeah. But there are truths that we can get from it. Um uh, but and of course it leaves me, well, it doesn't leave me any, any more bare than those who buy it literal. Cause there's still questions to be answered from there. Right, right. Uh, but the evidence that suggests that it is, it is, it is mythical, uh, is, is simply how 
close it is to those other mythologies, the Canaanite mythologies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think the Jews themselves took it to be literal. Mm. They never, again, mentioned it. They never said, you know, they never blamed What about the rabbis in in Jerusalem? Some of them take it to be true. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they say, and I, I like this view, actually, that Genesis 1 is about the creation of all of mankind. Mm-hmm. And then Genesis 2 is about the creation of their people, Adam and Eve, is because they're chosen by Yahweh, you know, so that's like they're, they're, Adam and Eve isn't for everyone. Isn't the beginning it's, of all right, mankind, it's, it's just beginning. the beginning of yeah. the Jews. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. I, and I like that. I buy that, actually, that interpretation, because it makes sense. It does because sense. That's why it goes back 5,000, 6,000 years. Right, exactly, yeah. you know, uh, and, and it also explains how Cain found a wife. You remember that? So after he is uh, he slayed his brother and then Yahweh showed him mercy and sent him out, then he had some kids. I'm like, where did his wife come from? Mm. You know, and our conservative brothers literally say that was his sister. But then they got to them. How was it incest? Like a sin? So Yahweh changes his mind. So they, it's just wrong. So I think it was I think it was the the other nations. So that would beg the question that God was creating people. Yeah. Still, like there were people mm-hmm, already mm-hmm. here, and then he was still creating After human that. beings, right, from the ground up. Right, that's exactly <laughs> you're 100 percent right. That's exactly what that would have that's to mean. Kind of wild, bro. And, and I don't think that's literally true. Yeah, but uh, some casts would have to take that to be literally true. But I think that's them trying to understand how they're special. Because remember, every tribe had their own god. Yeah. You know, so they got the Moabite god or Baal or Asherah, and they're fighting each other. And so if Yahweh's just their God, of course, he'd be involved in their intricate existence. But you're right. It would have to mean that they believed, if they literally believed that, that humanity was made, and then they were just made out of the dust without being born from a mom, you know, traditional way. Mm. Dang. That's deep. (laughs) Got me wanting to ask about Neanderthals and all that type of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what, real quick, what's your take on that? Just like Neanderthals and then modern day Homo sapiens, because according to the, um, like fossil records and that mm-hmm. type of stuff, like you would, they would say like Homo sapiens are about 200, 250,000 years old. Or right, like right, that. right. And Neanderthals go back further than that. Right. So, but the, you, you're thinking the creation story, I mean, according to the history and, and the lineage, it couldn't have been 250,000 years ago. Right, exactly. Man. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or fourth. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is science and Genesis, if you take Genesis literal, the theory of evolution and science are at odds. Yeah. They don't. They, you can't. And, you know, some of our conservative brothers are trying to make it fit. It just doesn't work. Mm. Now, I think that um, the theory on the side note, fun, fun fact, uh, I think that the theory of evolution itself is bankrupt. And here's what's crazy in modern science right now and modern um, molecular biology and everywhere else. Um, the theory is under fire from its own uh, uh, um, scientific writers because there's some things wrong with it. And I think there's some things wrong with it that it doesn't account for as well. It's just the math doesn't add up, but Mm. no one talks about it. Um, But they're, yeah, anyway. And these Mm. people are atheists. They're not Christian. Word. Well, that leads me to, there was two folks that sent in a very similar question. So I think my guy Jesse was asking about the Anunnaki story. Mm -hmm. And uh, my guy Paul Peters asked about, you know, well, he was talking more about like what caused the alien theory, um, but it's it's kind of like the Anunnaki story. So many argue that our creators are aliens and not God. Yeah, oh and yeah. So you know, mm-hmm. Anunnaki, Anu, uh, Inki, and, and uh, is it 
in Lille or on Lille or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And they are to to those we are created beings from these other beings. God like we call them gods, but it, it would they would be basically be um modern day extraterrestrials right, or aliens. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um these men like beings with wings and they came down and they created us mm. for a specific purpose for them mm. you know and and some say to mine gold or like specifically or just like just to be our we're like a slave race of people you know what i mean right. and so um what about those stories about the anunnaki do you know do you ascribe to or mm-hmm. take from how did <clears throat> How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm, I don't know much about it. Uh, I'm not an expert in that literature, but what I think is interesting is I take I take when I'm looking at evidence, I take Occam's razor. So you know, the simplest explanation that deals with all the data mm-hmm. is probably most likely true. You know, for mm-hmm. instance, like if you come home and um, you know your son was playing baseball outside, and you come home and your windows busted and the baseball's there and he has the bat, you know, it's possible that the neighbor did it mm-hmm. next door mm-hmm. and uh, just ran home but the simplest explanation is your, your son did it i mean he has the evidence is there it also does all the evidence and so i i, I think that that view of these uh, celestial beings coming down here um would be very difficult because uh the writers whether well, it would it would bother it would be difficult because there would be no no higher power there's no god or who created them i think all it does is push the question back one step yeah who created who created them yeah and if we you know what i'm saying and so uh that that is a possible thing but i'd still want to know who then is the ultimate creator is it still yahweh or or not well do you believe in aliens like are you going to Mm -hmm. area 51 in september right when people try to storm <laughs> are you are you down for that mission bro uh man you know i uh, the physics that i that i'm aware of uh, uh the, the cosmology seems to suggest um that uh the existence of extraterrestrial life is not very likely is not likely is not likely mm, yeah interesting and i can express it you know uh real briefly so, um, as we know, our Earth is expanding. Our universe, excuse me, is expanding. You right. know, at a, at a, at a rate that it's increasing, and how we got there, of course, was from initial. You know, if you put it go backwards, initial Big Bang, they call it. You know, that mm. that mathematical singularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the difficulty with other life forms coming into existence is how nearly impossible it was for the Earth to come into existence. Mm. And so uh, the odds of the universe coming into, excuse me, the odds of the earth coming into existence um, uh, without the chance of Yahweh is, and I kid you not, it will be equivalent to painting one grain of sand blue and then you and I getting into a plane and throwing that grain of sand out the window and then someone finding that grain of sand who we, you know, we meet here and we say, you person B, go find that grain of sand and them finding it the first try. Mm. Um, and so with that, there's a, these physicists named Borrow, uh, 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 Borrow and Tipler, those are their last names, um, who wrote this great book on the anthropo- anthropological principles of cosmology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they, they, they defend the thesis that because of the odds of the Earth coming into existence, it's highly unlikely that um, extraterrestrial items, people will exist. But 
on top of that, even if they do exist, other physicists agree um, uh, that uh, we probably would never encounter them. Mm. And that, that that's just the science of the matter. I'm open to it because, of course, people, it's an odd thing that we'll be the only people, only entities in the universe. Right. So I'm, I'm but I, but of course, I do think that other beings exist for the record. Mm-hmm. So as. Um, but it's just the probability isn't that great. Yeah. For, for alien life, like being on some other planet or something like yeah. that. You know, I, I don't think that's going to happen unless, though. Unless Yahweh did it himself, mm-hmm. then that changes all the probability. Mm. Just like I believe the Earth came into existence by Him, it could be that someplace else right. there's there's he a, yeah exactly right. So. Mm. Uh, let's see. I think we kind of touched on this. How much scripture has been lost in translation? I think I asked mm. how much. Basically, how well I guess we, I should ask this part of it. How manipulated are the scriptures? Like what? Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> Especially, you know, you, you talked about Revelation um, and even the Old Testament. Like what what parts do you know as far as like there may be errors, but like are there manipulations? Are there parts of the story that have been changed? Like Esther, like you said, mm-hmm. Esther was wasn't found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Right, right. Esther is one of is definitely top three. Mm-hmm. Are your favorites? And it might not be three. It, it might it might be one or two. Wow. Of Old Testament books. Because it's just, it's a movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's an amazing story. Yeah, it like, is a good story. To me, it's like the best story. You can read that book in, you know, really, really quickly, 20 minutes. And it's it's an amazing story. It's like, right. it's like a real play, you know? Right, right, right. But, uh, like, stuff like that. Like, what what manipulations have there been? Yeah, exactly. That Well, here's the truth. Uh, the text didn't come to us un tainted by some one person mm-hmm. they all have been changed they've all been added into and and some things have been yeah added in or or um and it changes the flavor yeah is there anything specifically let's say like new testament like yeah. what is something that you read in jerusalem was like oh shoot yeah so let's see here in particular something that has been tampered with um uh, it's way tougher to discern it in the New Testament because they're so close to you know first century. Okay, okay. That they're they're way more accurate. They're way they really are really good you know for the most part. But okay. there are areas and there are small things and it doesn't it's insignificant. Okay. But the big stuff though uh, is found in the Old Testament because it's so old and it had a lot of time to to get touched up on word, or changed. Word. Yeah. Man, I mean for there where to begin, uh, man. Um, well, look at you know if we had the time the difference between. Chronicles and Kings are two different stories, mm. but they have the same historical events. Mm. The only way for you to do that is if you fabricated or changed something. So like over here, it says David took the census um, uh, because he was told by, he was, you know, per, you know, moved by the Lord or something. <laughs> over here, it says David took the census uh, because he was bothered by a demon or something like that. Mm. Or evil spirit. Oh, shoot. Very different. And That's it's right, right there in the text. I'm not quoting it, of course, verbatim. Right. Uh, we have issues like that. We have issues in Genesis. We got additions to uh, the, I mean, you notice, and people don't realize this, but there are two separate Ten Commandments. <laughs> What you mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're not the same Ten Commandments in every version that we read in Exodus. I think Exodus 21 is different than the one handed down uh, 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 in, in previous or, or the ones reiterated in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Mm. 
That's wild. Yeah, and so those are definitely been tampered with. And so the question for the Christians who believe that this is the word of God, you really got to answer these questions uh, comfortably. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that kind of, uh, I remember you were telling me, uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, how like there's different versions oh, yeah. of like the prophets, right? Oh, like yeah. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Tell, tell the folks kings about that. oh yes yeah. so uh when you're looking at so we got there's the, so you're looking at the masoretic text right 100 mm-hmm. AD and then you're looking at the dead sea scrolls and then you're looking at the septuagint okay they all have different lengths of books so like you're saying one daniel is longer in one and shorter in the other mm-hmm. or jeremiah's got pieces missing mm-hmm. that the other one doesn't have i mean we're talking about daniel jeremiah isaiah kings uh uh, uh parts of the pentateuch um i mean the list goes on so depending on which one you find whether exactly. it's the septuagint the masoretic what was the other one uh um uh and the uh dead sea scrolls dead sea scrolls yeah mm-hmm. you're gonna get a different version oh yeah mm-hmm. of said title exactly exactly wow. and it comes from the tradition of those people they were doing what they was best for their community i'm gonna add to this because it makes sense i'm gonna nah i don't want that and so the christians have to ask themselves do you read the shorter version of daniel is that god's word or the longer version and how do you know which how do you know what which one belongs but then you know the apologist will say well god gave us the best version of what was out there and he moved the Holy spirit moved through the council of Nicaea mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they were able to determine exactly what was the word of God. Right. Well, that's what well, I would tell our wonderful apologists and say, well, y- your history is a little rough because, uh, <laughs> It's a little rough. <laughs> Just a little, because how we got these books in the Bible in the first place. Um, uh, well, let's just begin with the with the books, and then I'll talk about the councils and how the text came to be. Real yeah. quick, you know, is that um, people had to pick and choose which tradition. Mm. Uh, so they're trying to put traditions together. Oh yeah, oh yeah. These are various traditions. Uh, why not? See, the Eastern Orthodox Church uses the Septuagint mm-hmm. as their Old Testament. Mm-hmm. That's reliable to them. Not the MT. Mm. Protestants, we use the MT. Masoretic text. Right. Yeah. Catholics don't follow that MT. They're into the Latin Vulgate. It's the Catholics, about your... they have the Apocrypha in there. They, 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 they do. They have the Apocrypha in there. And tell the people what the Apoc- Apocrypha Yeah, means. so the Apocrypha, uh, or they call, if you're not, the Deuterocanonical, are the books that are inserted into the Bible um, that the Catholics consider to be God's word as well. Mm. So like first Maccabees, second Maccabees, Tobit, Judith, uh, Ben Syriac, you know, wisdom of Solomon, all those books they have in their Bible. And that's God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Protestant Christians, we don't, we don't, we don't, we call it the Apocrypha because it's not a part of, it's not in the canon. Mm. Um, and then one needs to discern, do you want to add those books or not? And they were, those books, the quote-unquote apocrypha, they were in the original King James Version, correct? I believe so, yep, yep. And then when were they taken out? Um, uh, let's see here. I don't know. So it, it, even, it even sounds like even within the church, God's inspired word is up for debate. Of course, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole issue between the Catholics and the, and the, 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 the Protestants. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to say one thing about the council. You know, it wasn't until three... 
was it 367 at the council? I know the council's Council of Carthage, and they put mm. a list on the on the wall of what what texts or not on the wall, but you know what I'm saying, proverbially, sure. was she add in the Bible? And they does they they made it up. The only reason Hebrews is in your Bible <laughs> is because Saint Jerome convinced them it was written by Paul. Yo, can't nobody convince me that Hebrew was written by Paul? Right, exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't even understand why certain leaders and teachers and pastors can. How do you read Hebrews? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. It doesn't it even doesn't. start the same. No, you're right. Man. It flows way differently. That's you great. can tell somebody. It, it wasn't Paul. Right. I can tell a Pauline book when right. I read a Pauline exactly. book. Hebrews was written by somebody else. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Most certainly. But everybody relies on what. St. Jerome said yeah, and they exactly. just run with it. They ran with it. And could you imagine that not being on our Bible? That's the only reason it's in. Because of him. <laughs> because of him. But he was moved by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right, right. And therefore, and then, it's then not move. a mistake. Right. God don't make mistakes, my brother. See, right. your level of faith <laughs> is lacking. Uh, uh, bring me the oil, please. This brother needs <laughs> to be anointed. out of this. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, tithing. Does... Giving God money really equate to getting blessed by God? Oh, that's a great question, and it pisses me off. <laughs> it does not. God is not an ATM where we invest our money or our good works in, and he promises us a good life. Wow. Um, that goes against the pure form of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We do what we do not to earn stuff. We do it because we really believe we got it. Mm. We got it, and we're living it out. So you can have a miserable life even though you are perfectly doing what God said. And if you and if your motivation of doing it is to get stuff or to have a happy life, you're going to be greatly disappointed because mm. he never promised what we do is going to spit out a good life. Mm. Simply put, I mean, it, it doesn't work that way. It, I mean, it hasn't that, worked that no, way. I mean, black people have been praying to Jesus, praying to God and begging for stuff and right. trying to appe- appeal to God. And we still under white supremacy. Right. We're still at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. Right. We're right. still our net, our median net worth is about to hit zero in 2053 and it wow. could happen even faster. Yeah. But we still pray as if this stuff works. I know. I know. I, my brother, I don't know your interview, but I got to ask you, what do you think? Go ahead. This, um, it just bothers me because, you know, we love our people. Why? For years we've been doing the same old stuff and it really hasn't been working. Why? Um, Why? I, I literally, I just, um, about a month ago I did an episode on religion and I think the exact same question was asked to me. And my my theory is going back to when you know, going back to slavery, mm-hmm. uh, we were treated like animals. The only time we were treated somewhat humanely mm-hmm. was on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Right. And so master, let us get dressed up wow. and let us stop working. And we got to learn the the Bible, whatever part of the Bible that they gave right, us. Right. And we were able to clap and sing and shout freely without right. being punished. Like you might be humming something and you might get whipped real quick because <laughs> right. shut up, nigga, get back to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But right. like in church, that was freedom of expression, something mm-hmm. that we did not have while we were colonized. Right. Right. And so and then, you know, slavery is over and and, and we're quote unquote free. Still you're living 
you know, a colony within a nation, right, <laughs> you right, know, exactly. and so Jim Crow, all that stuff. So you're, you're still, you don't have any rights out in society, but church is ours. Like they'll let us have church. Right, right. Don't come to their church because you're not invited and you're not welcome, but we can have our, so church was our institution. It's like the original institution for black Americans. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's all that we've had. Church is our mom. Right. Yeah. Church raised us. We learned how to learn how to get in touch with God. We learn how to sing. We learn how to right. praise. Them. You learn how to dance. You learn. You learn everything. You learn community. It's a it's a positive interaction. You go on Sunday. You get to let out all of your emotions. You get an experience that you can have nowhere else in society. Right. That's right. the only thing afforded to you. And you just fall in love with it and you look forward to it. And why? Why am I going to wait till Sunday to get that feeling? We're going to go to church Monday. We're right. going to go to church Tuesday because it's a safe space. It's a safe haven. Hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And my great grandpa did it. My grandpa did it. My grandma mm. did it. My dad did it. My mom. And we want to pass that down. Right. Mm. So we have an emotional tie to church. Black blacks in America. That's all that we've been given. You know what I mean? Right. We can give ourselves titles. We can have prestige. We can have right. hierarchy. We look good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's and good. so why do we still do it? Because we're tied to it emotionally. And that's all that we've had up until recently. Mm. And so now in society, we can move a little bit more freely and we can do a little bit, you know, a lot more things with segregation coming. You know what I mean? And right, right. Now we can integrate and do whatever, not whatever, but like we can do more things. Right. We have more options. But a lot of us are culturally stuck. Our family is rooted there. Our culture is rooted yeah. there. And it's just like, I don't want to be disrespectful to my parents because mm-hmm. God forbid, you know, my mom or my grandpa. You know, right, they, they've been praying for me their whole life. Right. How can I disrespect them by not going to church, by not, you know, being a Christian? Wow. And so you can easily get caught in that. And you may not even believe a lot of people probably don't even believe they don't live like they believe it. But they do it because, one, they want to appease, you know, their family and their ancestors. For two, there's a heaven and hell proposition. Right. Exactly. And most people don't want to take a chance of going to hell. Exactly. So they're going to stick with going to church. Right. Believing in whatever the pastor tell them to do. Wow. And we just going to do it because that's what we've been doing. And I don't want to go to hell. That's my answer for that, bro. Wow. <laughs> that's my answer, man. <laughs> yeah. I know it was long-winded, but. But it's a good answer. It's, yeah. a, it's a long question. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So it's it's going to take a lot for us to have a, a whole paradigm shift about it. But conversations like this and just mm-hmm. sharing the information plainly and just simply is a great start. Yeah. You know, because if you don't hear it and you you can't talk to anybody about it, like what what are you going to do? Right. He's going to be stuck. Right. You know, so another question. Have you read or heard of the Passover plot? If so, what do you think of the theory? I haven't heard of it. Okay. Or read anything about it. All right. (laughs) Uh, Next question. Um, Let's see. How fabricated are the stories of Jesus or are they fabricated at all? I think you've pretty much said they're mm-hmm. pretty reliable, right? Right, right. Yeah. Let's see. What books or resources would you direct someone um, who is looking to learn more about the falsehoods of religion and where these stories stem from? Yeah, that's great. Um, the falsehoods of all religions, you know, you know if they mean all religions or just Christianity in particular? Or? Uh, I would 
probably think he's leaning towards Christianity okay. or some Abrahamic type of faith. Yeah. So um, the 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 best thing I think would do be to do is to first get a book on on logic if one doesn't have one already, mm-hmm. and this is for all the listeners because it's so good to master it because there's a lot of stuff being said and it's hard to vet it if you're not fluent in being analytical and, mm. and discerning the difference between a bad and a good argument. So I'd say pick up a logic book, any one really, uh, that, that you're comfortable with. Um, uh, I'm actually working on writing one. That's not mm. obviously on the market yet. Let's go. Uh, but uh, as for trying to, to figure out which religion, or rather Christian religion and the difficulties with it, Peter ends, Peter uh, E-N-N-S, Peter Enns is a scholar, brilliant scholar, went to Harvard, studied the Old Testament. Uh, anything by him, uh, because the Bible tells me so, is a good book. He, uh, he man, goes in on the text and the difficulties. Um, Bart Ehrman, mm-hmm. anything by Bart Ehrman on history, don't buy nothing by him on theology. <laughs> uh, he's a New Testament scholar. He's an excellent historian, Princeton, a magnum cum laude. Um, and uh, so uh, The Historical Jesus is an excellent book if you want to get de- in depth on that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, man, what's the other one? He has one about the New Testament texts, including the Apocrypha and all that. I forgot the name of the book. But anything by him with in regards to history is excellent. So Peter Enns and Bart Ehrman. Mm. Dope. Um, the Book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. What do you know about it? Uh, I'm reading it a little bit. I'm seeing that there are a lot of similarities, not a lot, but there are a few similarities as far as certain passages from mm-hmm. the book of Enoch, but then it'll be like a quotable from Jesus in, in, in the right. Gospels. So is it like um, one could say that if the Bible is a conspiracy to just gain power, that mm-hmm. somebody <clears throat> took the book of Enoch and took whatever they liked from it, and attributed it to Jesus and made it seem like Jesus was exclusively saying this powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's something that was already said, but then they excluded it from the Bible for whatever reason. Mm. You know what I mean? So what what do you say to that? Um, well, I would say that the book of Enoch does have apocalyptic feel to it. Definitely. Uh, it's kind of hard uh, to get through. Right, I know. And first Enoch, and I think this is written in 100 AD, I, I, I think... So, um, but that is not the same Enoch that's being referred to in the, uh, the one that I'm reading is like, it's, it's an Ethiopian, Ethiopic translation. So it's like supposed to be one of the purest forms. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Not the Slavic or the Hebrew. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I read the book of Enoch and I was, um, I was just like, I could, I personally couldn't get through it. Actually, I didn't, it's hard, bro. I didn't understand much of it. Actually, yeah, I'm struggling. Um, I'm struggling. Uh, but in saying that, Jesus is using that, or someone is using the uh, text to um, gain power. I would say that I, I would be, um, uh, that would surprise me because the Bible didn't exist yet. Right. You know. You know. What I'm saying like the Bible. You know I'm saying like they're using Enoch to give power to jesus oh 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 so there so jesus is quoting enoch or something yeah. like that oh yeah that's easy to verify yeah all we do was just find uh what jesus is saying and then look at the original enoch text and mm-hmm. see if it matches up I, I mean i meant to bring it because i have those side by side but mm-hmm. i didn't i don't have and it. depending on which one was written first you know if enoch was written first and we see 
clear quotations, then obviously Jesus is quoting Enoch. Or if it was vice versa, if Enoch was written after the words of Christ, then of course Enoch is um, is quoting Christ. Yeah, but in, in it's the easy forward, to verify. I'm sorry. In in the forward, it was saying that you know Enoch was written. It it has been said that it was written either as early as mm -hmm. around the time of Genesis. Oh, interesting. Okay, or okay. right after. Okay, okay. So I mean, yeah. it's, it's all theory, but yeah, they yeah. seem to have some information that the that Ethiopic book was is pretty solid and was written a long, long time ago. You know. Yeah. That. that yeah. That's uh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Next question. Let's see. In the text of the Bible, the demons or evil spirits that I study only mm. speak truth or facts when encountered. The principle is trying the spirit by the spirit, confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. So what's the real difference from demons and angels if they both if they both confess the same truth or knowledge? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think the Bible gives us much help, but I will tell you what the Bible suggests, and then I will tell you what I think one could deduce um, philosophically from that. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Old Testament, as we notice, there is no such thing as a, uh, barring Daniel, which probably is the oldest of all the Old Testament, mm. um, written in, you know, probably the 7th century, you know, mm. uh, um, uh, B.C., Barring that, because it was written in Aramaic, it's probably during the Babylonian captivity. Uh, so, uh, but um, uh, you don't see any demons or angels. You rarely do, I should say. You rarely you got Elijah with the, the angels, the army of the Lord, and then you have these spouts of the evil spirit on Saul, and then David plays the harp, or you have. Um, you know, the evil spirit that bothers David for the census, uh, but you don't get the Satan figure or these demons warring as deep personalities mm. until Daniel. And Daniel was going into the apocalyptic age, yeah. you know, of the of Persian, Greek, Maccabean, and Roman age. He's going in that direction where Jesus picks up a lot of that apocalyptic uh, uh, teaching. Yeah. Um, and so Satan in the Old Testament is not evil Satan. It's just his title. He's an angel. Now, in the New Testament, they develop that theology more, right? So now these this uh, Satan is really this evil embodiment of of uh, a personification of evil mm -hmm. and that he has imps underneath him. Mm -hmm. And then there's a good side and a bad side and they're warring. And so remember now all of a sudden uh, the later texts are telling us that this world is under the the power of Satan and his right. imps. Mm -hmm. When that was not the theology of the Old Testament at all. Mm -hmm. It was your fault that you're sinning. Mm. Uh, 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 you're doing it not, but now it's demonic. He is in control of the systems. That's what the Bible mm. um, teaches in the New Testament, and that's a, that's common to all apocalyptic believers. They believe that there's a good force and a bad force, and that they're in charge of these um, the, the what happens positively or or negatively. Um, I think some of that's good, but some of that's just not attainable, not 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 uh, able to be true. So to answer the question directly, uh, what is the difference between angels and demons? I think that it's uh, the difference between uh, a good person and a bad person. What are your motives? Um, so do you believe that demons and angels are like real celestial beings that can influence us and influence history? I absolutely think so. 
Okay. I do think so. I think they're real, real persons. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not humans, but you're like real yeah, persons yeah. who have wills and desires who try to influence us or influence history the way that, the way it goes. Mm. But I don't think they have as much power as the black church suggests. <laughs> It's always someone's deep, you know, Satan has got, he's kind of, you know, your TV don't work. Mm-hmm. It's Satan, you know, yeah. you get a flat tire on the way to Bible study. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind having, of event. They you. having troubles with the audio system. Right. <laughs> see, see the devil, the way that he worked, he wants to stop us, you know. I, I think that what he's doing is, uh, and he does, I don't think Satan has to do very much with these Christians. <laughs> They've put themselves in hell. Uh, wow. I, I think that he lets them live it out as long as they're not getting the pure gospel that will free you, man, and make mm. you live your life, love your wife, be a good father. Um, as long as he keeps making them think that what they do is going to make their life better, that is torment. And he's succeeding. And so he doesn't have to be uh, going around bothering people. Man. If it's in the mind. It's like the slave master, you know. If he can get you in the mind, he does not need to watch you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's um, deep. So that that makes me think of. Um, I was watching uh, the story of God, like National Geographic, and they mm-hmm. had Morgan Freeman going around, oh, whatever. Yeah. And it was the the thing that I took away from that. The main thing that I took away from that was the story of Zoroastrianism because I had never mm-hmm. heard of it. And so that was, um, you know, <clears throat> one of the first uh, monotheistic. God, you know, systems mm. that was instituted by a big government. So it was like the Persians, oh, mm-hmm. but it would be like Babylonian. So like mm-hmm. that was the time of Babylon. Oh, uh, interesting. Apparently. Wow. And so what they said and that, it was like a 10 minute stretch. We were talking about Zoroastrianism and they were talking about how the Hebrew, the Jewish Bible, like there was no Satan mm-hmm, until... Mm-hmm. They went into captivity. Right, right. But that the the satanic figure, the devil, that adversarial figure is comes out of Zoroastrianism. Mm. Zoroaster or Zarathustra. He was mm-hmm. the one that oh, came up mm-hmm. with that. Now, modern day Zoroastrianism is very small. It's only in like in Iran, Iraq and a few people in California, maybe no more than a half a million people that believe it. Mm-hmm. But to this day. They don't they no longer think that Satan or this adversary that's, t- you know, telling you to do evil uh, or do wrong. They don't think it's a literal thing. It's like all in your mind. Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. like when we watch TV, you got the angel on right. one shoulder, you got the devil, on, you know, the 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 yeah, the devil on the other shoulder. Like that's Satan is that devil is like that right. the yin and the yang yeah, yeah. like that. I should do good. My mind is telling me, but my body's telling me yes. No, R. Kelly, no, not not that far. But that just just taking that <laughs> right, statement, right. not the action, not the, uh, not yeah. the action. But yeah. So what do you what do you think about that? Or oh, have I you think, heard uh, of that? I have had uh, heard of uh, 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 Zarathustra, or how you say it, Zarathustra. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. um, like uh, I was reading a piece a long long time ago by Frederick Nietzsche on yep. that, and he, he wrote a piece um, with that kind of persona in mind mm-hmm. uh i don't have anything uh, wrong with against that because i do think that's true mm-hmm. i think that's true i would also say that satan or the adversary and, uh, and his imps are more than just um uh us ourselves you know mm-hmm. are more than just ourselves mm-hmm. i do think there are separate persons okay who do not like uh you to live to your optimum my thing is he's probably not as interested 
and trying to make your life sad. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to hope he stubs his toe. Um, <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but more interested in you not living to your full purpose. Mm. You know? Like, you feeling like you'll never be what you're meant to be. But does Satan feel that way because after Jesus died, he went into the pit of hell and he stole the keys of hell? What, what right, happened? Right. Yeah, yeah. Me, he went to, me, no, you're right. Story. He went to, the as the preacher might say, he went to the keys. Of the, you know, went down after he died uh-huh. and went to hell and preached the revival, <laughs> preached the gospel, in hell. and got all these people out of hell uh, and took the keys. Whatever. I don't know. You need keys. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, he has keys now. <laughs> I don't. Don't lose them. And. Uh, <laughs> And he came back up and freed people. I, that's just false, man. I'm I just sorry. I you know, it's like, come on. That's oh, just not. Man. Now, Peter does, the writer of Peter, whoever that person might be, does mention that. But I can't really know my view. I think he's wrong. The brother's wrong. He's yeah. just wrong. That didn't happen. <laughs> uh, and if what Jesus himself was saying is true, those people in hell would never need to be preached to. Because they would have already been saved if they'd been following Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Just like anyone will be saved if they follow their, their God, the light that's given to them, the revelation that's given to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be saved. Now, I think it is through Christ, but again, that's obsolete. So no, mm. I, don't, I don't buy that. I'm sorry. I, I just think that's crazy. And that could be the influence of the apocalyptic you know, uh, era that they're in. And that probably was all the rave then. Yeah. Man. Well, that kind of leads us to another question. Um, I think Cheyenne gave us this one again. Uh, she was hitting us with some good questions. In your opinion, and she wants us both to answer this, in your opinion, why do you think younger people in particular are more open to exploring slash accepting other religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, but so against Christianity? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you nailed it earlier. So I'm just going to say like a sentence or two because I think, I think it comes down to doesn't work mm-hmm. the religion mom and dad grandma and them hold to mm-hmm. doesn't work i'll tell you a quick story um i remember when i was growing up i was an atheist myself for a while because it was give your tithes god's gonna bless you you're gonna get a car you're gonna get a house my mom paid all our rent uh i was a little boy i think mm-hmm. i was like 11 or maybe younger than that actually mm-hmm. and because she had faith mm. if you have faith you know yep and she gave all our little rent mm-hmm. uh, to the preacher man, mm. and she and I knew she believed. She, you know that's that takes faith to empty your whole bank account. We yeah. didn't have money; we're yeah. poor, and give it to God because that's what she thought she was giving it to. Yeah, yeah. Giving it to her Creator, who's going to bless her. Rent's going to get paid. That broken down white van we had that <laughs> needed the cooling fluent every every mile yeah. was going to get renewed. Oh. Uh, my and my heart still breaks. For three days, my mother waited on God. Mm. rent was due eviction notices came she cried wow she cried begging god on her knees why what did i do wrong she thought she was at fault wow that's not a god that I, that any person wants to be a part of yeah you know that's why we study logic right <laughs> Because if you study logic, you would know that just don't even no, make no sense. No. God already gave you the money, right? You right. He it. already get right. He already <laughs> provided that which you needed, and you just gave it to the. Right. But man, we we do that, man. We, we do, do that, and it's like 
everybody's just trying to be the best version of themselves. Right. I mean, I, and I, I think that's the, that's kind of the, I mean, not everybody. I mean, some people are just trying to manipulate and finesse the system. And, right. You know, but there a lot of folks are just trying to do their best with what they have and they just want to be good people and they want to please God and they want to go to heaven exactly. and they just want to be good people. And so they'll just go to church every Sunday and, and the, they believe in the pastor. They trust the pastor. Right. You know? And so it's crazy, man. It's like there's always going to be a large group of people that's just going to be stuck in that pattern because they really believe everything that they're being told and what they're going right. to be told is not necessarily going to be what's conducive to them it's going to be conducive to the pastor to that building to exactly. that church whatever the whatever goal and mission that that church body has that leadership mm -hmm. has everything is going to revolve around that right and not necessarily truly improving people's lives i tell my students all the time i said every statement that i make if I have no proof for it, if I have no evidence, don't you believe it? Right. I, uh, I'd be telling, you know, if those who are looking for a church or if you're at a church, if your pastor has no evidence for it, mm -hmm. don't buy it. Yeah. Don't you buy into it. And if you find out continuously that he or she has no evidence or no uh, uh, proof for it, leave that church. Man. Leave it immediately because that means they're sick and unhealthy and they're not very interested in the truth. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't be interested in Christ and not interested in the truth. Whew, say that again. You know, Golly. It, 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 ain't that you cannot be interested in Christ if you're not interested in the truth. That's right. And so they're peddling. But then they will say mm -hmm. Jesus is the way. Right. The truth and the life. Right. No one can come to the Father except through him. So if I got Jesus, I got the truth, my brother. <laughs> and if you had faith, then you wouldn't question God. You see, it's amazing to me. And they would just <laughs> they they would, go on. They would on. go off on you. And I would tell them that and that's the issue is that they think that faith is believing without proof. When that's not even how the Bible defines faith. I've always thought faith and I think the Bible even the way I read it, faith is just trust. You just trust. Exactly. But like, I think faith, like we in America have taken faith and turned it yeah. into some super hyper extra like level of belief in something right. where you are greater than a regular person because you believe <laughs> in something that you don't have really don't have no business believing in. Right. But, <laughs> but because Abraham was justified by faith and right. he was willing to go sacrifice his son until the angel came and stopped him from killing his son. And I'm right. like, man, do you believe, do you believe that story? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's do a good question. Do you think question. that's more myth or like, do no, you think no, an I, angel I, came I, and stopped him from stabbing? Do you think God told him to kill his son to test him? No, I don't know. I got to say, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, if that's the story, then I'm not a man of faith. Right. Well, he. what kills me is that's not faith, If by the way they define it. Mm. Because he literally, he had all the evidence. 
what more do you need than someone coming and verifying with your senses? You hear them, you see yeah. them, you touch them. Hey, don't do that. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, this may be real. <laughs> That's not, you know what I'm saying? That You're just following the you evidence. You're just following instructions. You're right, exactly. That's yeah. not, and so, but they were calling it faith thing because the Bible, like you said, faith as the Bible teaches it isn't simply that supernatural, crazy believing stuff that you have no business believing in. Yeah. It is simply having confidence, trusting. Yeah. Yeah. You and I, when we sat in this chair, we had confidence it was going to fall. And you can't have, you can't trust somebody you don't know. You can't have confidence without having reason to be confident in yeah, something yeah it's not it's not possible we can pretend like it's not uh but like just try to give a hundred dollars try to give your car keys to someone you don't know and and see if and see if you're convinced um that you're going to comfortably trust them or have confidence that they're not going to take your car right people are not going to do that because right, that's they, why we lock our lock our car <laughs> that's door right that's why you lock your house every night <laughs> right you know what i mean like and and when you lock your your door or your or your house to the to you lock you lock your door to the car of the house. You trust you have faith, right? That it's right. going to stay locked and exactly. nobody's going to be able to bust through it. Exactly. And so you sleep peacefully, knowing that your items are secure. Exactly. But is that supernatural? It's not supernatural. No, it's that simple. Faith, but we wouldn't call it faith because well, I trust that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. But Good. faith is should be the same. It should, it be, should be the same. In fact, I tell this all the time to my students. I get sometimes, uh, you know, uh, the students come and they're very angry with me, you know, mm. and they they want or or they're they're struggling with religions. And I tell them all the time. I say, um, what your mom or dad believes is similar to you believing in Santa Claus right now. Mm. You know, they say, well, how I don't know how that is. I say, well, you don't. You're not requiring any evidence. Mm-hmm. You're not requiring having any confidence in any of the statements. Mm-hmm. All you are requiring is that you buy into this crazy thesis without question. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between Santa Claus and your God? Mm-hmm. If they're the same, and I encourage the listeners, get out of it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be there. Man. Faith. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> and and trying to finish that question that you asked um why do you think younger people in particular are more open to exploring other religions yeah i just believe that because christianity is not working out for people and um and like for me let's say buddhism right like buddhism is kind of fun Mm-hmm. Like oh, it's yeah. kind of cool you it's, know new, I mean? yeah. it's new it's fresh it's not like overly demanding mm-hmm. it's uh you know got meditation like learning meditation is dope like i think everybody should meditate oh yeah you know that's a great tool that we all as humans can use and so when we get out of that that rule system and just get that freedom and just like taking on new skills that improve your life and your mental state I think that's why we do it. You know, yeah. we, we have the ability to do it. We have the, the information. We have the technology to be able to find out how to learn this. It's not locked away in the book. We could just go on YouTube, you know, right, or just right. whatever. And so, yeah, man, because we have that freedom of information and we can easily access stuff and it's not hidden in the book anymore. I think that's why people are not, you know, rocking with Christianity. Because, like, man, I got so many options. Right. Why would not try this out? And they at least attempt at giving answers. Exactly. That part. Um, Judas's role. Does he get judged for being born basic, you know, and basically being destined as a traitor? You know, assuming that God is omniscient and he, you know, the Bible is the word of God and and 
you know, he was somebody was born. Somebody had to be a traitor to Jesus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So is Judas, was he destined to go to hell? Well, if you take the Bible to be God's word, yes. Mm. Yes. Um, that's simple. There's, that's there simple. was no, yeah, there was no other question about it. Mm -hmm. uh, that from the foundations of the world, he was born simply for this purpose, mm. to be God's personal tool of damnation. Mm. So then if you step back and say, what well, is saying necessarily the word of God? This is just some stories that mm -hmm. people reported on and right. just happened to be this Messiah-like figure, Jesus, and he happened to die for the sins of humanity so we can accept that gift. Now, so Judas would be a traitor. Right, he would be a traitor. Um, and kind of like what Cheyenne was saying, he committed suicide. So the, so right. the story mm -hmm. goes. Right. So... In your opinion, how do you see Judas's eternal destiny? Yeah, um, well, I see it as uh, very differently. I now see it as any one of them could have been Judas. You know what I'm mm. saying? Uh, Judas just beat them to the punch. Mm. Any, it could have been Peter or John. Or, there's nothing crazy about them that doesn't show me that they couldn't have been Judas. Mm. Uh, and so with that in mind, I think that Judas made a choice. And what I also think is that when Jesus was crucified, we know that no one was there to support him. Maybe, you know, they say John and his mother was there, but Peter denied him. Peter left him. You know, they all left him and whatnot. Mm. Uh, and so uh, I think Judah was like, you know what? Judas was like, you know, I don't think you are um, here for me. I, I believe my the way that I take Judah, Judas, I keep calling him Judah, <laughs> Judas, is that he was convinced somehow, some way, that Jesus did not have his best interest at heart. Mm. And that he was not worthy to be to be worshipped. Yeah. And so yeah, he was done. He sold him. Now, now, what's interesting is that Judah, Judas just expedited his execution. Jesus would have been executed anyway because of the claims he was making. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, the Jews did not believe that Yahweh had a son. Mm. There was no, there was no belief that there was a direct descendant like that. They didn't play that mess. They didn't play that mess. The Greeks and them were playing. Yeah. And so that to them was blasphemy. Mm. And then he's going around talking trash to the Pharisees. Uh, uh, talking trash to the Sadducees, reinterpreting, reinterpreting mm. their uh, Old Testament. Mm. Um, that was the brother. That's suicide in a sense. Ooh, so that but that's a very interesting point that you raised. So the Jews didn't believe that God had a son. Oh yeah, no. Mm -hmm. What about the rabbis that you studied with? Oh yeah, they don't think that either. Yeah, no way. So. If Jesus, because remember do, they how, believe. So how about you? Mm -hmm. Do you believe that Jesus? But you believe that Jesus. Is I do. I do. So why? Why do you? Why does your believe belief that. supersede? You know those of the, the forefathers. Yeah. No. Great, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, because I think that uh, if what he was saying, which was ludicrous, is ludicrous, mm -hmm. but if he did rise from the dead. That would validate all his previous claims. The resurrection. That's right. You know, if you if you really did rise, mm. if, then that would corroborate his 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 previous claims. Okay. And then to me, that is very that's very good evidence. And what you were saying with uh, it's well known that he existed, that he mm -hmm. died, he was supposed to be buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and that the tomb was empty. 
Right, right. And every, you know, majority of the scholars who study that field agree. And I'm not talking about Christians, because mm-hmm. Christians, we cherry pick sometimes to yeah. fulfill our needs. That's why I like looking at those who don't believe in, in what Christians believe, because they, they tend to be sometimes more honest. They don't have a they don't mm-hmm. have a they don't have any confirmation. Exactly. Bias. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They don't have any confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, even some even when I was in Israel, there are some even Rabbi Moshe, them, they believe this. They just don't know how to reconcile the fact. So one rabbi at Hebrew University, I always forget his name. Uh, he really does believe that Jesus literally was risen from the dead by Yahweh, mm. but he doesn't think he's our savior. He mm. just thinks it was another miracle done by Moses and Elijah. He, that's, he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. mm. But the struggle is when he's pressed, when when asked, you know, okay, well then, how do you deal with his claims? He doesn't know really how to to deal with it because you know the Jews believe the Messiah. Um, has not yet came. Right. You know, he's coming for the first time. He hasn't yet came. Um, whereas I believe the Messiah was was Christ. Mm. Hmm. So they don't believe that God could have a son. Mm-hmm. When did when did when did that come into play? Jesus or that that's his 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 statements or what which part? that God is having a that God has a son. That well, you know the, what that is is um, well. It started with it started with uh, Jesus's statements about himself, saying is there crazy anything stuff. In the Old Testament, that's saying that no. that God would have a son. No, that's the so point. So it's all based mm-hmm. upon what Jesus said. Yeah, it's all based upon what Jesus said, and that's why the Jews are so anti because it says, you know, the great Shema, "Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one." He ain't got to There's because if you're the son of God, that makes you a god. Uh, now, of course, we're you know they they would buy in that we're children of Yahweh, mm-hmm. but they would never say that there's a we are direct descendants. You know what I'm saying from Yahweh, just like your son's your son. Yeah, um, uh, that's not they would never say that at all. So, would you say those that are Christians, if Jesus is the son, of, so you believe like in in the Trinity? I do. Mm-hmm. One God and three persons. Right. Mm-hmm. But if Jesus is God, but there's already God, mm-hmm. would that be idolatry? That's worshiping an and question. praying yep. to Jesus as opposed to worshiping and praising Yahweh. That's a great question. And so, yeah, that it gets tricky on that one. I got to be honest. But um, as I understand it, as the way that I approach it is since there there's one being in God and three separate persons. Mm-hmm. So by worshiping one person, you are worshiping the whole being. Mm. Uh, and that's how I how I think that can be reconciled without being silly or having a contradiction. And the only mm-hmm. reason I buy it, because Jesus says things like, I and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, of course, doesn't mean that literally, because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He makes things like that. Um, or, uh, uh, or, you know, uh, I am here to glorify my Father, because he speaks about them being distinct and then he speaks about them being united mm-hmm. and so the church the you know the early church at uh, at the council uh, of Nicaea tried to clarify Christ's relationship with the father mm-hmm. and you know they came up with the Trinitarian the Trinitarian model that we have today yeah uh, and so I buy that just because I, I adopt the church history and uh, you know there's some things in the Creed that um, uh, I would I would I would say it doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, so I believe the Trinity and that that's very different. Okay. Fair enough. Um, the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. it, there are folks that will say the Holy Spirit is not 
some godly form of a spirit. Right. Some will say that, you know, in Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would simply just be God's holy spirit. Right. His holy angel, archangel. So some will say that Lucifer, mm -hmm. i.e. Satan, was God's holy spirit mm -hmm. at one point in time. Right. Until he, you know, fell away and and wanted to be like God and then took demons a third of heaven and they got cast right. and whatever. And then it will say that uh Michael, the archangel, would be the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit that would go and deliver messages to right. people or whatever. Like what do you say to that? That the Holy Spirit isn't God, but it's just like God's Holy Spirit, which is a that spirit is a um an angel or right. something like so, that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely can't. In the Old Testament, there's no sign of of that. This uh, there's no sign of my view. Right, right. There's no sign. Of, there's a sign of your view. Okay, a hundred percent. There's For no sure. sign of my view at all in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, you know, if not, I'm, I'm open to correction. Mm -hmm. But so then, my view really just is, is hinges on the New Testament, how they treat this this Holy Spirit being, you know, in Acts. Uh, when Ananias and Sapphira, they lie to Peter and he says, you have blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. You know, mm -hmm. they give he gives him, a, you know, a masculine pronoun. He um, uh, Jesus says that when he leaves, the Holy Spirit will do these things. Uh, so it's, you know, a distinct person who has an operation uh, uh, that he does with humanity. So one might say it's the father uh, who sent Christ. Mm -hmm. It's the son, Christ, who died for our sins and rose to, to to free us and then it's the holy spirit who comes to transform our hearts and help us to grow and give us wisdom on how to live out a beautiful relationship with him mm. uh so those distinctions but the, you're right it's 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 a tough thing because the facts are i could be wrong and it's very difficult to see um uh how to make a strong case for it. Mm. but the new testament's my the you know the clearest difference of the holy spirit being a separate person mm. What do you say, and I'm going to wrap this up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you say to the person that has an idea that, you know, with the Council of Nicaea and, and with, it seems like with this story, dealing with these people from this small town, from this small corner of the world, um, and now it has spread globally. Yeah. Mainly by conquest. Right. And that's, so it was a story that was taken by you know essentially constantine mm -hmm. and he just man right. he just he just had his way with it <laughs> you know and so mm -hmm. something that i say is especially black folks in america and really any non-white people um non-white people we follow the bible and we follow god mm -hmm. the white supremacists they enforce God, mm, mm -hmm. you know, like they they instill God and they enforce God upon us. So with the way that the Bible is put together by the people and the power structure and the way that they used it and spread it around the world, um, could it be said that they just took the stories that they wanted? They took this dope faith system, religion that mm -hmm. the Jews were living by they were living very codified lives their lives are pretty much predictable you could see a high level of um 
cohesion among those people mm-hmm. and low-key like a, whole, a high level of control that the powers that be could have under that belief system and then they take it and they mix in a little greek cosmology in there mm-hmm. and and little zeus and little whatever right, and they right. just kind of put stories together horus and isis virgin birth oh man boom so they take this story that does not represent them you talking mm-hmm. about people from the middle east from africa and then these greek people take it and make it their own and just use it as a tool what do you say to that yeah I, I, and, I, and, i'm sorry and to say that it can't be trusted because that's the reason why this story even came to be and that only reason why that especially African folks even mm-hmm. know about that stories because what these Greeks and what these Romans did with it. Yeah. I, I'd, um, I, I need more evidence. I need to, because the, the, they'd have to demonstrate that the texts were, were not written by mostly Jews, mm-hmm. you know, it's all mm-hmm. written by Jews, which mm-hmm. is weird. Uh, they'd also have to, uh, get rid of the historical Jesus because mm-hmm. he'd have to be made up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they'd have to give me evidence for that. They'd have to, um, also, uh, give me reasons why th- such a view would be rejected by the very people who created it. Why such a view would be rejected by the Greeks and the Romans who oppressed them. Like, why would you try to kill your own people? You're making the pool smaller for, for people who believe uh, in the position you want them to believe. Why not support them? Um, they'd also have to give me reasons to believe that... Um, that most people thought they were ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> they thought, you know, they, 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 it was, it's not a very respectable religion back then. There was mm. nothing respectable about it. Mm-hmm. And it was such a stupid religion. When you think about it, you're telling me that your God died. <laughs> and, and that's, I mean, it just, to me, it sounds like the worst creation you can make for religion. Mm. Uh, not a very effective one. It's interesting. I feel like I can fabricate. I think if you and I got together, we could fabricate a better story. You know what I mean? <laughs> than, yes. uh, than that. That's a bad, it's a whack but the, story. But the heroic part is that he rose. Right. And he conquered death. But, and he ascended mm-hmm. to the Father. And hey, he's, the story's not over. He's going to come back. Right, right. And so now we're waiting for this rapture, or this right, return, right. and mm-hmm. we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years and <laughs> Satan is going to be bound and then right we're be living a great life and then Satan will be re-released. Right, right. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't believe any of that. Right. right. <laughs> oh, man. This was good, man. I appreciate Thank you for you. having me. I have enjoyed myself. I hope the listeners enjoyed and I hope I was able to be helpful. For sure. No, I, I know I know you have, man. There's no doubt about it, man. So um, the way I end the show is with the Fab Five, five questions that I ask everybody. Yeah. Um, question, the first question, kind of two-part question. What is your favorite genre of music? Mm-hmm. And what artist or album made you fall in love with that? Yeah, so I'm a musician. Uh, and so I love, I love classic jazz. Okay. Not the new stuff. Uh, so I do like the new stuff, but I don't like I don't like commercial jazz. So mm. Duke Ellington, mm. uh, Coltrane, man, Thelonious Monk, Corey Henry. Word. He's a modern. He's a modern musician. Yeah. Uh, so I am in love with that. That's my. What about genre. big band? You like the big band? Oh jazz? yeah, big bands. Uh, uh, have you heard of Snarky Puppy? Yes. Oh, I haven't heard his music, but, but I heard of him. Mm-hmm. I was big on Count Basie. Oh, and, uh, Count Basie. Yes. In oh my goodness. I love yeah. Count Basie. 
Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm a hundred percent in. But I listen to hip hop though too. Yeah. Where? What about what what artists in hip hop you really like? I you know really like I just say Adam's not like I'm be dying to buy their album. In fact, I haven't bought an album in years. But um, you know, I listen to the traditional Drake, uh, Jay Z, yeah, Kendrick Lamar. I like Kendrick Lamar. I like um, uh, uh, Kendrick. Who's it? oh oh J Cole. Cole. I love yeah yeah. 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 Uh, rappers like that. I like I like lyricists for sure a, a lot. Those are probably my favorite bottom three. I, for some reason, the cat's gonna come after me. I don't get the draw for Jay Z. What do you mean? I, people just think he's a genius. He is. A lyrical genius. Okay, okay, I got to listen no. more then. I, I, I think that J. Cole and Kendrick have uh, something something going for them. But I got to listen, though. I'm not, uh, I haven't listened to all this stuff. So how familiar are you with um, Jay's first album? His first album ever made? Reasonable Doubt. Oh, I've listened to it. I, I can't quote you his uh, lyrics. But you haven't listened to it. I mean, I, I feel like that's... That's it. Right there. I, I mean, it's not it. everything, but reasonable doubt. Um, <laughs> This is going to sound weird. But Jay-Z is almost like a Jesus-like figure. Oh, interesting. Because what he says mm -hmm. comes true. Interesting. He'll interesting. speak things into existence. Huh. He'll say he's about to do something. He hasn't done it yet. Mm -hmm. And then he'll actually do it. Right or, right. or he'll just tell you everything that he planned out. And and show you how it came to pass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean. So if he says, "Who's the biggest MCs? Biggie, Jay Z, and Nas." Jay Z wasn't in that conversation. Mm -hmm. But then when we talk about top three MCs to this day in the hip hop community, mm -hmm. it's always a debate of Biggie, Jay Z, and Nas because Jay Z put that out there, hmm. and he 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 ascended to that level, but he wasn't there when he said it. You know, he talks mm -hmm. about his his business plans and his acumen and what he his marketing plans. Right, and, right. You know, uh, what he did with Rockefeller and Rockaware and all this stuff, Rock Nation, all these things that he's about to do mm -hmm. and the way that he's going to push culture forward. And he does it. Yeah, no, that's true. At a high level. That is true. And then he becomes a billionaire and he does all, he does all these things. Right, right. You know, and so it's like everything that he sets out to do, he does it. And people are like, man, you got to respect it. <laughs> if you don't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Right, right. <laughs> they gonna love me when I fade to black. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. It, the, the stuff that he says, it just it comes to pass. Man, I gotta, I gotta listen to him. So reasonable doubt. Gotta, you have to listen to reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt. And I'll you listen, listen to, to that, you can be like, all right, I'll this dude is on another level for sure. Um, there is some other Jay Z stuff that I kind of wanted to talk about, but <laughs> I'm, a, I'm gonna leave that for another episode. <laughs> is there a movie that has changed your outlook on life? I watch the worst movies. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a culinary uh, theater person, uh, uh, so I, I I do action. I mean, crazy like John Wick action. John Wick, okay. Uh, or you know, or superheroes. I'm big on superheroes. So no, I mean they're just they're all fake. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing has really changed your life. Like you know what, man. The world is just different now that I, I see mean, I this. want to buy a couple guns. Yeah. But that's uh, John Wick inspired. John Wick inspired. Okay. John Wick is that dude, for sure. But when I, you uh, when you feel overwhelmed, how do you de-stress? It's a good question. Ah, you know, this is going to sound weird, but I rarely feel overwhelmed. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't get stressed often and too easily. I don't know. I don't really know. It's not a common, at least mm. it hasn't been a common rhythm in my life. Um. Uh, I do well in high high pressure, high stress situations. Mm. Um, 
But I, I I like to I like to walk though in general. Yeah. When I, any kind of height of emotion, walking helps me. A little exercise, get the blood flowing. Right, you right. Feel that. So the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> will guard you. Will guard you. All right now. All right, brother. <laughs> Honestly, I'm trying to find it. Where is it at? Oh, man. Uh uh. Dang. That's funny. It's one of my favorite verses, actually, man. Philippians. Four, eight, eight and nine. Oh, man. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I think the King James Version is a little bit more a little wordy. Mm-hmm, a little flowery. For sure, for sure. Uh, let's see. Question number four: If you woke up tomorrow and you found out that you won the lottery for a hundred million dollars, how would you spend your money and your time from that day forward? Yeah, that's a great question too. Uh, I think the first thing I would do with the money is to pay off all school debt, for sure. all debt in general for yep. me, you know, for the family, and uh, um, and uh, invest at least 25% of it mm-hmm. then the, the market and then try to see how we can help out the community Word. in a very real way. I'm not giving a penny to the church. Okay. Uh, unless that church is really doing the work. Yeah. You know, but they're not, they oftentimes need something for a roof or something. <laughs> Anybody trying to put no new carpet and a new pew. That doesn't help the community. Uh, kids need education. I, I, and I wouldn't retire. Word. I'd still keep, I'd still work. Yeah. Keep teaching. Yeah, still keep teaching. Yeah, that's uh, something that never stops, right? Yeah, you know, I love it. It's yeah. it's it's like the funnest, easy. You're just getting paid to stand up there and spout what you believe. Word. You know, or if you're, I'm teaching math in my case, but yeah. still, you believe it though. Yeah, <laughs> you, I should be a teacher, man. I could do that. You just, would be excellent. Talk. In fact, <laughs> I plan on having you come in. I was going to tell you offline, but I tell everyone online. That maybe sure. they can come. We can make it an, an event. Word. Is have you come and uh, and chat and talk on these topics? Oh man, I would love with that. A, just have a symposium because we do symposiums. Word. Have you do a lecture and, and do it anywhere you like discussion type? I would do that would be amazing. Man, I, I'm down. So, I'm um, all the way down. So that'd be fun for sure. That's what's up, man. I'm I'm with that. So let's see. Question number five, man. This is question kind of a five. heavy one. It's kind of a heavy one, man. What message do you want communicated at your eulogy? Yes, I think the message that is most important to me. There are only two. Uh, the first is. Uh, uh, to encourage people to learn to think mm. that will make the, it'll change your voting patterns mm-hmm. it'll change our financial patterns as mm. people and, and, as, and the, everyone you know it'll change our, and so that that to me is the first thing can you think well how healthy are you in the mind we're always worried about healthy in your body healthy mm-hmm. in your soul at church mm-hmm. but some cats are just not healthy in the mind yeah um, and that to me is the first thing. And the second thing is to um, have someone share as, you know, if everyone, even I don't care if you don't even believe it, if you just knew the pure form of the gospel. I don't it's not about belief. It's about people are going around with wrong ideas yeah. about something that I really think is 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 awesome. Yeah. So those are the only two things. That's what's up. man. You said one thing though, huh? No, it's all good. Oh, no, oh, oh. I just said what what message. <laughs> so that's cool. That's it. That's cool. I mean, it's it's your final. You know what I mean. You won't right. be there to enjoy it. But right, right. 
But if, those if, are my, so, if you could write your eulogy right. in short, you know what I'm saying? have you those say? two things. That's Word. it. That's Even on my tombstone. Just those two. Because that to me is everything. Yeah. Uh, you know. That's dope, man. I got a plus one. Can I Okay, add please, my brother, please. All right. If you could choose any one celebrity as your life coach, who would it be and why? Any one celebrity. Mm-hmm. I am not fond of celebrities. Okay. <laughs> um, as my life coach. Yeah. Got to be somebody out there that you admire. No? No, I don't really admire <laughs> celebrities that much. I, there are people who I admire who aren't celebrities, though. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Who be who did the work, has made the world better, but nobody knows their name. Who would that? Who what, uh, who would it be? Who would be your life coach? Let me let me yeah let me let me think. Somebody that you don't um, know personally. Yeah yeah. Um, oh, that is so tough. I would uh, uh, be honored to study. Uh, and to be mentored by, and can they be? They got to be alive. No. Uh, this this thinker by the name of uh, uh, there's two people. So I know I'm gonna choose my first. Actually, I know my first. Uh, I'd be an honor, man. I, I'm torn between them two. Uh, either Frederick Douglass or W. E. B. Du Bois. Mm. They're my favorite figures uh, in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm torn. I'm torn between the two. I don't know who. That's a that's a tough um, tough one to choose from. And I that, that's and I don't know if they count as celebrities, but I mean to us, I mean the celebrities in the mind of the beholder, you know. Oh, I, mean? I see. Okay. So, but yeah, the, that works, bro. One of those two. Why uh, W E B? Man, just because his skill in mm. in writing and articulating his thoughts. Him and I don't agree on everything, but that skill and the way he lived his life. He's a man that lived his convictions out. Mm. He left. Here, America, leaving a great job as the first PhD at Harvard to go live in Ghana, to live with his people, the people he he lived out his views, and yeah. a man like that is someone I'd love to be mentored by, who can show me the way of living out my view. And what I loved about him is he was respectful for those who disagreed. His friend, he surrounded himself with people who didn't agree with him. Mm. You know, and I and that's, that's tough to do. Yeah, it is tough to do. Yeah. And what about Frederick? Man, Frederick, that experience in life. How in the world, going from zero, like, talking about going from zero to 100, Yeah, that was his life. A slave, taught himself to read and write, excellent orator. To me, he's one of the greatest American men, period, period. That's a fact. Uh, that is to, a fact. To grace us. I, I'm wholeheartedly convinced that our freedom, so to speak, you know, we're under some difficulty, you know what I'm saying? Word. Uh, but the, 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 the literal change, if you will, chains yeah. were, were done by his work. mm he was the he was the 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 one who moved it all forward. Man, that's dope. So I just learned it from him. That's dope. Well, man, any any final words of everything that we've talked about regarding the Bible and and faith and, and Jesus or the Word of God? How how people view it? How we're living it out on Sunday and during the week? What's your last final word for this for this discussion, man? Yeah, and I'll make it brief, my brothers and sisters. The Bible is not God's word. Jesus is. Faith is having trust and confidence in God. It's not nebulous. And the good news is, the real good news is, what you do doesn't condemn you. It's who you are. Simply put, you heard that from Brother Quincy Robinson. If y'all have any questions, hit me up on the Socks and Sandals podcast, uh, at Socks and Sandals podcast on Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, are you on the socials? Can people reach out yeah, to you? Yeah, they can reach out to me. I'm not on the socials, though. Email. <laughs> email, yeah. I can give my, so my email, you can reach me at uh, Quincy, Q-U-I-N-C-Y, uh, the number four, underscore, zero, at hotmail.com. Already, already. And if y'all um, want to relay any messages through me, I'll take it and I'll make sure I get it to them as well. But appreciate y'all for listening. Once again, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Holla at y'all next week. Grace and peace. Peace.